Get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, save, retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Time now for the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Nasty on a Wednesday. It's the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN. Jamie Rivers, Andrew Marsham, Anthony Stalter, 201. Your time check is brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Cardinals right now trail the San Diego Padres 3 0 in the first, uh, the third game, the last game of the series. 3 0. What are you watching soccer all of a sudden? Absolutely. You're, you're such a soccer guy now, you can't even help yourself. No. Yeah, I see that, I see that goose egg on yeah. the scoreboard. I go with nil now I, since it's soccer season. Our St. Louis City SC team's got to bounce back. Yeah, they do. Tonight, as a matter of fact. Darn right. But Cardinals, last night, they win 6-5. Contreras homers twice. Tommy Edmond with the walk-off. We'll see Contreras. Jamie, watch, just watching that game last night, watching watching his, his moments specifically. Uh-huh. Let's all remember earlier in the year when all of that crap went down with Contreras and the club. And they traveled to Chicago. It's the first. It was the first time that Wilson Contreras went to went back to Chicago, took on the Cubs. And do you remember how fired up he was? Yeah, he got a hit. He was telling the crowd to you know like, come on, get it to were me. Booing, and he was like, Let's yeah, go. This is exactly the guy. And he, look, you can't you can't just be that guy and not play well. He he's he's having an excellent offensive year. I don't know the behind-the-scenes stuff when it comes to his defense and whether or not he's going to be the guy that can lead the the pitching staff and all that. The Cardinals can worry about that. This is a guy that the Cardinals need to build, need to win with, need to build with. Enough with some of these dudes that can only play half a game or one appearance and then they get a rest for three weeks. Or stop. You need gamers like this. We could talk about the analytics. We could talk about having star players. And we talk about all that stuff. Front office, being more active. You need to build a team with competitive guys that want it. And Wilson Contreras, in the midst of a 57 and 76, probably 50, you know 77 loss season yeah, after today, that way. is still fired up is still trying to get his team, this dead carcass of a team, to across the finish line. That's what guys like him do, though. And that's what you look for guys like Wilson Contreras so that the attitude and the passion and the desire and the edge and the fire, pick your word for it, Right, is there no matter what. It's not fraudulent. It's not like, well, when the good things are going, when things are going good, he's acting this way. When they're bad, he's pouting, he's right. mad. He's nope. A- same guy. I mean, he gets aggravated, there's no doubt. 
but I'm with you. And I, I, I will say this. I said it from the very beginning that I thought they mishandled the whole situation. And I thought that he was unfairly portrayed in a way of not being able to be a major league catcher all of a sudden. Right. After 14 years or I don't know how many freaking years he played in, in Chicago, all of a sudden he's unable to catch the major league level. Like, I'm sorry, go chase yourself. This guy's been great in the batter's box. He's everything you wanted. And in fact, a little bit more. I'm not going to say, oh, way more, but he's been a little bit more. And he's been the only guy on some nights that looks like he has a pulse. Mm-hmm. So I was thrilled for him last night. Hit the two ding-dong Johnsons. His parents were in the house, That's cool. which is always awesome. And then I loved it. This is one part that I love about Cardinal Nation. They all got up wanting the curtain call. Mm-hmm. They Cardinals fans, I'll tell you this. They recognize when the curtain call is appropriate. Yeah. They get it, it. They do. Like, it's not all the time. It's not overkilled. Yeah. It's like, he just hit a second ding-dong Johnson, and I'm watching the next pitch come up, and I'm seeing everybody start to stand up. And I'm like, oh, I know what's going on here. Mm-hmm. I wonder if he'll do it. Of course, he comes out, and he does it, fires up the crowd a little no bit doubt. more. But that's, that's what it's about, man. Let's build around guys who want to be here and who want to get this thing back on the rails. He wanted, he okay, so right there. He wanted to be here. He wanted to be here. He played for your rival. He was the one guy that was okay with with taking over for a legend. He wanted to be here. And you referenced some of the comments that he made last night, Jamie. Talking talking about how, you know, tonight was special for him, he says, with the family being in the stands, all owes, owes him a lot. To hear the crowd to get into it. This is Wilson Contreras. To hear the crowd to get into it, to give them a reason to get into it, to walk somebody off and to come back from behind. Uh, I'm sorry, this this was this was Ali Marble. But some of the comments comments made by uh Wills Contreras that, that you had brought up uh in the in the office was, you know, this is home for him. Yeah, he said, you know, he played all those years in Chicago and the um the beginning of it was you know, it was tough, obviously. I'm paraphrasing. We actually have the audio. Sorry, Marsh, Marsh just indicated we, we, he grabbed the audio. Anthony, so. hang on. I think we have the audio. <laughs> Let's hear from Willis Contreras. <laughs> it is really special for me. It was really special for me because my mom and dad just got here. And uh, having my family uh, in the stands, it means a lot to me. Um, I'm here because of them. And uh, all them a lot. I don't, think, uh, I, oh, I don't think there is something that I can do. That is enough for them. Um, having a night like, a night like, like I had today, I will never forget. And especially at their first game in, in uh, Bush Stadium this year. And uh, I was just trying to do something good. I mean, uh, because of my mom and dad, but also for the team. I don't know with that. Uh, we haven't been playing. We haven't played well lately. And we needed something like this to uh, change the mood out here. And thankfully it happened tonight. You know something that's never changed, Anthony, since the beginning of the season? The way that guy talks about the Cardinals. Yeah, good point. It hasn't changed. He's talking still about, you know, how great it is to be here and his parents get a chance to see him first time, Bush Stadium, all mm-hmm. this stuff. I don't I guess I'm still ticked off at the way all of that was handled throughout the beginning of the season. And I don't know if I'll ever change my tune on that just because you got a guy who Again, wanted to be here. He got a guy who competes at a high level. Does he always make the perfect play? No. Is he always calling the perfect game? No. But Yadier Molina is no longer here. He's not here. So no matter what you were moving on to next, it wasn't going to be Yadi. Yeah. 
And the one thing that Cardinals fans have wanted for a long time, as much as they've loved Yachty, they wanted production from the catcher position. And this guy has given the Cardinals production. Mm-hmm. 15 home runs now. Uh, he's hitting at a DH level. I'm not going to say an elite DH. But he's hitting in and around a DH level as far as his numbers are concerned. Since July 1st, his numbers have been off the charts. Yeah. So I just I want to build around guys like Wilson Contreras and, and get this team. If, if you had half a team that had as much fire and, and passion as this guy does, You'd be you'd be far better off, uh, Marsh. Marsh, you were watching the game last night. You had you had uh, a thought on how the Cardinals won, but one thing here too, just to add on to Jamie, what you just said. One last thing about Wilson Contreras. We talk about the defense and him managing a game and all that. No, he's not Yachty. He'll never be Yachty. Nobody will ever be. Yachty. Uh, yeah, I was gonna say no. Not many people are. But the front office signed this guy to a big contract and then realized that. He had some shortcomings when it came came to calling a game, right, or preparation, whatever, whatever it is. That's on the front office's. That's the front office's job. It's the front office's. It's on the front office's plate now to figure it out, to figure out how they want to move forward here, to figure out what the pitching staff needs from a catching standpoint, and to determine whether or not Willis Contreras can play sixty games behind the dish, eighty games behind the dish, a hundred or twenty, whatever it is. It's on the front office now yeah. to figure that out moving forward. All right, Marsh, you wanted to comment on how the Cardinals won last night. Yeah, well, thanks to Wilson Contreras, who's bringing the big Willie energy last night. He helped that team get back into the game, but ultimately it came down to manufacturing runs and playing small ball. You have Richie Palacios. He lays down the bunt with two strikes nonetheless. Moves Mason went over the third, and then Tommy Edmond. Hits a ball in the outfield and boom, game over. It's the little things that help you win games. And we saw that earlier today. Maybe for those that have not caught on to the game, first inning, Tommy Edmonds steals second, steals third. He has to score. Yeah. You, know, oh, you get the fly ball. You get the fly ball. He doesn't tag. And they, they end up not getting the run. And that's the difference between winning games and losing games. And this team has done too much of not manufacturing runs and that's why they have a terrible record this year yeah that that is something they forget forget the the analytics versus the old school i, I i'm so tired of that conversation because figure out how to win the game yeah analytics are part of it so you have to you have to figure you you do have to have power in your lineup you do you have to have guys that can hit the ball out of the yard you also have to have guys that understand the situation high baseball IQ process information quickly you get into the batter's box you understand what the situation is does the situation call for me driving the ball to the to the opposite side does the situation call for me to lay down a bunt does the situation call for me uh to to utilize a hit and run whatever it may be figure it out but figure out how to win a game it's not one thing or the other it's not old school baseball this is what it's about or and it's not all launch angle and hard hit rate and all that other stuff. It's a combination of of the two. It's utilizing the information to help you win games. Bottom line. Yeah. So last night, like you're saying, Marsh, they used a they used a combination of of both. Yeah, a little bit of small ball and Willis Contreras comes up with two big home runs. Great. How how are you going to Tony Larusa more than any other manager that I have seen? understood how are we going to win the game tonight 
tonight. How are we going to win this game tonight? What is our best game plan? And go from there. And somewhere along the way, I don't know how you guys feel, but somewhere along the along the way, I feel like this team lost lost perspective on that this well, season. They're very confused, I think, at times, not knowing what they truly are. Yep. They have a lot of guys who can play that small ball. They do, or in theory, they should. They should have more guys that can do it. You've got your slug, baby slug. That's fine. Those guys, don't change those guys. Don't ask Gorman to lay down a bunt. Right. Because you, yeah. ne- you would never ask Albert or Roland no. or Edmonds, yeah. any of those guys to lay down yeah. a bunt. Exactly. That's why you have guys, a team. Now, in fairness, those guys were pretty good baseball players. Yes, they were. Um, but you've got plenty of guys who can play the small ball. So why not mix it up? Or when it's necessary. Like, you, you have how about Juan Soto last night? What was he second guy up? And he lays down a beautiful bunt. Like, well, second guy up in the game. It's Juan freaking Soto, and he's dropping a bunt. Yep. Because the, he felt like the situation called for it. Mm-hmm. And he ended up getting Wilson Contreras, who tried to fire a missile to first. Probably should have held on to it. Uh, but, you know, whatever. And now they got guys on, on base. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not all about just what what the program says. Right. And immediately, Zach Thompson's in, in a stressful spot. Oh, yeah. I mean, think about it. You, you got you got a bunt, you lay it down. All of a sudden, Zach Thompson, your starting pitcher, is in a stressful situation early. How do you, how are you stressing? If you're the offense, how are you stressing the opposing pitcher? Yeah, early too. Exactly. All right, it's the fast lane on one on one ESPN. So Cardinals get it done last night. They are trailing in the series finale though at Bush Stadium, top of the fourth. Padres three, Cardinals nothing. Miles Michaelis not having a, a good start. So if it winds up kind of finishing the way that it started the conversation's probably going to be on miles michaelis again who has not been good over his last three four five starts now jamie rivers andrew marsh i'm anthony stalter you can join 101 espn and bud light for blues and brews on friday evening september 22nd at the anheuser-busch brewery get fired up for the blues season at this outdoor street party featuring live music from country music star chris lane and local blues musician marquise knox plus Appearances by blues players and alumni, food trucks, blues merch, 101 ESPN giveaways, and much more. Tickets are now on sale. You can visit 101ESPN.com for additional event details and to purchase your tickets for Blues and Brews on September 22nd. It's going to be a great night. Hopefully, many of you can that, that are listening can uh, can attend because that's going to be a, a lot be of fun. Awesome. Again, Blues and Brews, Friday evening, September 22nd. Anheuser-Busch Brewery. Tickets now on sale at 101ESPN.com. Speaking of the Blues, we had an article posted in The Athletic by our guy Dom, who, Jamie, I feel like you kind of understand what he is. A lot of people, though, use it as just fuel, his content for fuel. We'll tell you where he ranks the Blues front office this year. That'd be top five, I'm sure. Okay, so Jamie's going to be surprised. Next on 101ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. It's the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN. So, our guy Dom at. Uh, the athletic. Did you call him, I said Dom. Oh, I thought you said something tough. Different. No, I didn't. Some people may refer to the name that I think you thought I said. I, I'm not referring to anything, Anthony. But 
Jamie, you you have often had a pretty healthy outlook on Dom at the Athletic and what he does. Oh yeah, he, you know he he uses the numbers to create content. He's not necessarily taking a deep dive into the game. Well, and he he uses numbers that support where he wants to go. Sure, yeah. support the narrative. Absolutely. But again, I feel like you kind of have a healthy take on that. Yeah, it is what it is. You also might be angry after this. So NHL front office confidence rankings, 2023. How fans feel about every team? How confident are you in your team's front office? That's the question we ask every offseason. Using the wisdom of the crowd as a guide toward revealing which front offices are doing the best job and which ones aren't. Each front office has its ability to to be graded in six categories. Roster building, cap management, drafting and development, trading, free agency, and vision. Yeah. Where do you think the Blues front office ranks? Well, I know where they rank because oh, okay. I just so I, can't even play the game. I was able to open it up, and uh, I was shocked. They have twenty-one. Them ranked, yeah, they have them ranked at twenty-one. Last year they were ranked twelfth. That's kind of the ballpark I'd have them in, somewhere between ten and fifteen. The twenty-one I don't get, and what I don't really understand about this whole equation is that he's basing most of this off of the public and the fan base. Mm-hmm. And no disrespect to our fan base because they're fantastic fans, but Anthony, just to ask you a quick question, how many times do we get the same question about why don't we just trade this guy, right. even though he has the full no-trade clause? Yeah. and that and he's we, got no market. And you would have no market, and you couldn't bring any money back on because of the salary cap. Right. We get those questions, not from the same person either, over and over and over and over. And it doesn't mean just Blues fans. Just fans in general don't necessarily always understand the intricacies of – Brokering a deal in today's NHL, of course, and the 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 cap management, the cap gymnastics that each general manager has to go through now. So that's where I get a little disconnected with the rating system here, because quite honestly, if I look at it just in this last calendar year, there were some things that Army could have done better. But go back; he got good value for every trade that he had to make. He picked up a couple of reclamation projects in Verona and Kapanen that helped add to this team, set this team up to at least be a middle-of-the-pack team for this season. He used the three first-round picks, uh, Dvorsky being a massive pick for them, couldn't even believe they got him at 10, and they've got Snuggerud, they've got Bolduke, they've got Zach Dean, all these guys that are ready to, you know, in the next year or two, become NHL players. So I don't know where he missed the mark on this. In fact, Joel Hofer was a draft pick that they had developed, and now he's in the NHL. He's going to push Bennington this year. So, yeah, I'm not ready to give them, like, top 10 status, like, vote Army, like he's the best. Mm -hmm. But I'm also not ready to say that they're 21st in the league. Do you know how many teams that are in the identical situation as the Blues end up just scrapping it, and that team goes into a rebuild for five or six years? To build off your point about the fans and, and and even look, we we don't know what it what it's like to be a GM to sit there to make these deals to figure out the cap and all that. Army's got a team of people that yeah, help him. Trust me, so it's it's stressful. We just we we watch what happens and then we react to it. That that's that's the bottom line. But Jamie, to to further your point about what you just said, Doug Armstrong did. Shouldn't we also judge GMs based on the situation? We as, we as fans kind of view it as, well, you either win or you lose. And I I made the comment yesterday, and I stand by it. 
because when it comes to the fan base, it is totally don't 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 show me the labor. Don't tell me about the labor. Show me the baby. That that's all we care about. We winning and losing. Bottom line. But when it comes to what Doug Armstrong was dealing with with last year, trading knowing that he was not going to have a competitive team, trading Ryan O'Reilly, trading all the guys that he did, he recognized the situation. So I think you should get at least some credit for that. Not to not, not to undermine some of the missteps that he's made. You know, with Alex Petrangelo being probably the the number one misstep. Those yeah, but happen I think too. Army's identified that not with his words. So what do you do? But with his 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 actions, right? And Doug Armstrong last year, I thought he I thought he handled the situation last year perfectly. Trading to trading, we had to trade away, and then bringing in a, a couple of guys that could help. And we didn't even get into picking up Kevin Hayes for half price. True, he got a seven million dollar player. Whether you think that salary was elevated or not, it doesn't matter. Let's just say he's six million dollars. Yeah, is what he should have got on the market. But the Flyers overpaid. Fine, you're paying three and a half for this guy right now. Mm-hmm. And Army made that trade. It cost what did it cost? What, nothing? I mean, like next to basically nothing. Seventh rounder, I think, is what it was. Yeah. Something stupid like that. Right. So I think you have to look at all of these things and go, okay, to your point, yeah, the situation. What did it, what did it call for? It called for a reaction of this kind, and Army did it, and he was able to execute it to the best of his ability. Is it passing with flying colors? No, but I'm not even trying to say that mm-hmm. either. So, Marshy, I asked you real quick, mm-hmm. and text line two asking, um, you know, what are some of the teams that are above the Blues in this that, quite honestly, are head-scratchers? So Chicago is ranked 15th. I don't know how you feel about the Blackhawks well, being there. They got Connor Bedard. But that, that they got that, Connor they Bedard because they know, but, that that but that's fan opinion, right. right? So this is where it gets blurry is the public and the fan base right. going, wow, they got Connor Bedard. Yeah. We'll let that but one what did pass. they look like for five years before that? They were terrible. Stunk. It was terrible. We'll let that one slide. This is the one that has me scratching my head. The Arizona Coyotes are at 16. What have they done? They've done nothing except liquidate for the last decade. Right. All they keep doing, they've been in the they've been in the longest rebuild in NHL history. No kidding. And not just them; they're building too. (laughs) Like, that's a disaster. So, number one is the New Jersey Devils, mm-hmm. by the way. And they've done, I will they've give full credit, job. they've done a fantastic job of drafting, developing, trading, all of the above. Fitzy up there deserves full credit. Carol, Carolina's number two. Carolina's, Carolina's great. great. They're great. Tampa. Third. Tampa's great. No, no mm-hmm. issues there. Dallas is four. Well, Jim Nill's done a good job there of restocking the cupboard. He had a lot of aging players that were getting right to the end. Instead of letting them hang on and hang on and hang on, he drafted and developed very well. Mm-hmm. So he's got Heiskin in on defense. He's got uh, the Armstrong kid up front. Like, got a lot of good players. I think for the most part, all the teams that are on this list above the Blues, other than Chicago, Arizona, and I had one more, Anaheim. I don't think Anaheim should be above the Blues. Not currently, although Pat Verbeek has done a real good job since taking over there. He has completely righted the ship. Uh, they've got work to do. For sure. And they have so, they have some exciting players, yeah. don't get me wrong. But I, I still, I the, the way that the Blues dropped, I just, I don't know if I agree with the steepness of that I know. drop. A lot of people here on the text line, and rightfully so, are saying, well, Army created this mess. Which is true. Which is, it's true. All, he, all GMs create their own mess unless you're taking over a bad team. 
But in fairness to the fans on this one, to our listeners, you're absolutely right. Do I agree with all the no-trade clauses necessarily that are right there on the roster right now that have impeded him from making moves? No, but that was the going rate. That's what the, that's what you needed to do to get these players. This also, Jamie, this also goes to what we what we talked about yesterday, I think, in regards to the Cardinals. GMs have decisions to be made. We get to sit back and sit there and say, okay, well, yeah, you better make all the right moves and help my team win which is what their job is. But they're actually in the arena. They're making decisions. Some decisions won't work out. Sometimes, I to me, it's somebody like Doug Armstrong, or even John Mozeliak for that. I'll, I'll just stick with Army here. Yeah, yeah, just, careful, Anthony. You already stabbed. Yeah, I had reason to. But when it comes to, when it comes to Army... I, you, could, you could see what the thought process is. It's not like he he made dumb decision after dumb decision after dumb decision. You saw the thought process. It didn't work out. He probably got too stubborn with Alex Petrangelo, right? He he stuck too firmly yeah. to some of his beliefs. I believe that one there, he'd like a, a mulligan okay. of some kind. But to your point, after after it went sideways, what do you do? Do you sit here and tear it all down and look for a rebuild, or do you retool on the fly, which is what Army has done? It's like a or is doing. It's like a ship captain, right? You make a bad decision. Do you just jump off the boat and let it go? No, no. You grab the wheel and you try and steer that thing, to, yep. and that's what he's been doing ever since the Alex Petrangelo moment. And another point that the <clears throat> the text line brings up, and, and they're on their game today. The salary cap was completely affected by COVID and the bubble and all that crap. Yeah, very true. So if Army had been able to maneuver with a regular salary cap that was, you know, going up yearly, he probably would have been able to make some different moves. Now, that's every single GM in the league would have had more flexibility. But being a cap team like the Blues have been, mm-hmm. it may have worked to Army's advantage. Either way... I'm not anointing him top five right now or the whole overall front office. I do think they make some really good decisions. I think Army sticks to his his guns, whatever it is. He digs his heels in, and that's the way he's going. And I think he's got this thing turning in the right direction. I believe they're way higher than 21. Jamie Rivers, Anthony Stalter. It's the fast lane on 101 ESPN. How can teams beat the Braves? And as we localize things, how can the Cardinals build a roster like the Braves? That's next on 101 ESPN. Hope. Warm weather means homework for homeowners. And if your homework means a new deck, then turn to the deck experts at Hackman Lumber. Browse the largest inventory of decking materials and deck accessories in Missouri at Hackman Lumber Company. Talk with their experts about treated lumber, cedar, timber tech, Trex, Envision, Azek, and decorators to find the best deck for you. Check out endless choices of railings, balusters, and LED deck lighting options. Hackman Lumber Company will not be undersold on in-stock decking materials guaranteed. You can choose to do it yourself with Hackman's expert advice, or they can recommend reputable contractors to do the work for you. Stop by and see Hackman's expanded paint department, too, with brushes, rollers, painter's tape, and four different lines of interior and exterior paint. Custom color match available. Visit Hackman Lumber's newly remodeled stores in St. Peter's and Pacific, or their showroom in Troy, Missouri. Hackman Lumber.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. So ESPN.com released this story talking about how how to beat the Braves and I always enjoy these think pieces because they talk to MLB executives not just you know media personnel that that are trying to figure it out from you know that that 500 foot view these are MLB executives that were talking about how to beat the Braves and we will localize this in a couple of minutes but one executive summed it up this way talking about the Braves I think they are I think they are dangerous because of their lineup depth They've got nine guys who could beat you offensively every single night, and they can do it in a number of ways. They hit a, they hit the homer, run the bases, exe- executive, um, etc. is what I meant to say. It would be difficult to imagine them having a week-long team-wide slump, so they should be able to score runs regardless of who is hot at that moment in time. There truly is a lead that is not safe when you face the Braves. It will be really hard to keep them down that many times. Plus, they can pitch. Their starting rotation is top heavy, which is exactly what you want in the postseason. They can roll out of the they can they can roll out a top of the rotation kind of starter in each of the first few games of a series, so they can match up with anyone. So, what's the Braves' weakness? Braves bullpen right now ranks 28th in number of pitches, 96 miles per hour or above, which I feel like is the epitome of nitpicking. Hmm. Like, what can we find? Oh, these guys don't really throw hard in the bullpen. Maybe you can get get to their middle relief, one American League executive said. If they get down and throw throw a minus reliever, you might be able to extend a lead. That's any team. Which which team can beat the Braves would be, you know, kind of that uh, the interesting question pushing forward here. On paper, I, I there is no team that's better than the Braves. Certainly, the Astros could give them a game or a series. the 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 Rangers could give them a series because of their pitching. You go into the AL East, whether it's the Orioles who are loaded with talent, they don't have a ton of starting pitching though, or the Rays who lost their ace to Tommy John. Could they give Could they give them a series? Sure, but the Braves are absolutely loaded. It's just a matter of could you face a Dodgers team? That is experienced. Could you face a Brewers team that can't hit, but you know they can pitch? No. Phillies loaded for bear. They got Phillies they got all the talent. The Phillies could be interesting, but the Braves, Jamie, they're they're the number one team now. It's rare. It's rare that the number one team in baseball heading into the postseason wins because baseball's random and you get a smaller sample size of games, and anything can happen. But with this team. On paper, they're absolutely loaded in every facet of the game. Yeah, it's hard to imagine a world where the Braves don't get to the World Series this year. Um, 
The Phillies, to me, are the only team that can stop them. I and I know that I'm leaving out the Dodgers that are that are a good team. They don't they don't necessarily have the pitching. But I look at the Phillies and they have the bats to do it. Like they've got some some smash in that lineup. And you're going to have to have that against the Braves. So I look. That's the way I look at it. The text line brings up an interesting point too. Uh, said it's simple. The answer is that uh, Atlanta charges for their zoo. That's how they've gotten to this point. Thank you, Texline, for backing me up on this. Yep. They charge. I think uh, my and their World Series content. That's fine. I would argue I that they're so good they don't need to throw a clause in there that charges people. But maybe they were charging like three they, years ago. It's a good point. And they got mm. a, you know, a running start. Do you think they know. started charging after they gave up 10 runs in the first inning in 2019? Probably. That's, that's the moment that they started charging. I bet if you yeah. go back hours after that. The zoo was closed for um, renovations to where they're putting uh, Mm. signs up. Yeah. Ten bucks to Mm -hmm. get in. Yeah, they figured it out. So, Anthony, how how, how do teams – how do you beat this team? Yeah, how do you beat this team? You just hope their pitching sucks? I love – I do love the one exact saying, you know, or the the one – the Braves rank 28th in number of pitches – 96 miles. Or, uh, that's that's basically saying, like, well, you know, the guy that fills up the water jug, he's got a bad track record. So maybe they lose that way. It's about sa- it's about sample size. There's, there's nothing. You look at the Braves lineup. They're loaded. They can beat you in, in a multitude of ways, like this one exec was talking about. They also have guys that go to the post every single day. They know what their lineup is. They have stayed relatively healthy. They've they've had a bunch of guys on on the IL throughout the course of the year, but it's been more pitchers than than hitters. They've got they've got starting pitching. Their bullpen. I mean, you look at some of the numbers. The, bull, the bullpen's been very good all season long. So we're nitpicking when it yeah. comes to the Braves. However, you get into a five or seven game series, and you you just never know. The Phillies are going to throw Aaron Nola and Zach Wheeler at you. Unfortunately, we found that out in St. Louis last year. Five game series. And you face Nolan Wheeler, one and two, good luck. The Dodgers have good pitching, but they're doing it with guys that are are largely inexperienced outside of Julio Urias. So maybe you're in a situation where it's like the Dodgers feel good about things, but they're less experienced than they have in years past. Now, Clayton Kershaw, we'll see where he is if he can stay healthy. But I, I look at this National League, and nobody has the combination of talent and experience like the Braves do. No. They are incredibly the what they built is incredibly impressive, and if we localize and say how did the Cardinals create a roster like the Braves, you're no you're nowhere close. You're not you're not in the same hemisphere as what the Braves are, and you have to stop mixing and matching, like the Rays and Giants do. The Braves don't mix and match anything. They got the same same nine guys. Yeah, but they relatively speaking. I thought I've thought back on this by the way. Because we talked about it the other day, how uh, Paul DeYoung made the comment of their best players play every yeah. game. Yeah, they don't have to mix and match, Anthony. They don't have to. At but all. they play every day. But they play every day. They don't so have to play every day. The whole matchup thing, they don't care. They're like, you, they're so good, you have to match up with them. Exactly. They don't worry about it. So most teams. But most rosters aren't that good. Well, how do you build it? I don't know. I don't know. They if dra- I had that answer, hell, I'd be in Major League Baseball building teams right now. They, I'll tell you how they did it. They utilized every avenue of of how to build a roster. It wasn't just about, we make a big deal out of free agency. 
Are the Cardinals going to get off their dead rear ends and pay somebody? It's one avenue of building a roster. And quite frankly, I think it's the worst. Because a lot of times you're, pay, you're, you're, you're hiring mercenaries to come in. At 28, 29 years old, if you're lucky, most guys are 31, 32. Their best baseball is behind them, and you're paying top dollar for them. Free agency is the worst avenue to build a roster. But the Braves have utilized the, their drafting to perfection. They've utilized the draft, the international market. They have executed trades, whether it was the World Series year when they, they brought in everybody at the deadline, or more recently when they brought in guys like Matt Olson and Sean Murphy. So they've been patient, but they've struck while the iron's hot when it comes to trades. They you know, find guys off of the scrap heap sometime to, to come in and fill in when they're banged up a little bit. Somebody like Charlie Morton, they bring him in when Charlie Morton, nobody really wanted him. The Braves are incredibly smart. They use everything with the when it comes to building a roster. Do you think they use analytics to build the roster, whereas the Cardinals use analytics to cert, like basically on the field product? I think all teams Does that make sense. I think all teams use analytics both to evaluate and in the middle of games. Not to what extent do the Braves utilize it compared to the Cardinals? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, they could just send Matt Olson up there to yeah. just swing the bat, or yeah. Austin Riley, sure, or Ronald Acuna Jr. They're low. They're low. <laughs> Ozzy Albies, yeah, uh, Marcelo Zuna. You know, they br- they bring in Marcelo Zuna after the Cardinals are done are done with him, mm-hmm. and he winds up being their DH. And while he's had plenty of off the field issues, he's somebody that 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 provides twenty to twenty five home runs a game too, or a game a season. It'd been pretty impressive. He did it a game, but mm-hmm. they lose Freddie Freeman. More impressive, and they bring than in Matt defense. Olson. Yeah, right. Oof. They they lose Freddie Freeman. They bring in Matt Olson. They they didn't love the catching situation. Although William Contreras, who as he's proven in Milwaukee, is a pretty good player, but they they know that their windows their windows wide open to win championships. So they they strike when Sean Murphy is available. They just they, they execute quite frankly better than any team uh, outside of maybe the Dodgers. And Astros. It's a fast lane on 101 ESPN. Mizzou kicks off their season tomorrow night. Eli Drinkwitz, now in what, his fourth year, I believe? Mm-hmm. What are proper expectations for the drink? That's next National on 101 Championship. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Mizzou kicks off its football season tomorrow night, and I'm looking forward to this rendition of the uh, Mizzou Tigers. I think that this is a team, based on the talent level and the schedule, Jamie, where they should be competitive throughout. I mean, they're good. They've got a couple of you know early games there, LSU being the the key one, where they're going to get tested, but otherwise. They should roll in, roll throughout their schedule, and and be in a spot where, you know, they they might only have one loss heading into the second half of their season. The question is though, what are the what are proper expectations for Eli Drinkwitz? I think you got to throw away his first year. 
That was the pandemic year. I, I can't imagine it being a first-time head coach in any conference trying to take over while recruiting and doing all that, a lot of it via Zoom, and then the limited practice times that you had, a weird schedule, not knowing if you're even going to play on Saturday. I, I, I think you just got to toss that out. Let alone he's doing in the he's doing the SEC, the toughest, the toughest conference in the nation. So toss yeah. it aside. 21, 22, and now he's heading into 23. So this is year four, but this is kind of this is kind of year three for Eli if you throw away the pandemic. I think he's done a remarkable job with recruiting. He's done an outstanding job. He might be one of the better recruiters that Mizzou has had from a fo- from a head football coach standpoint. The problem is he hasn't done enough winning. And I know it's kind of just a bare-bones, basic way to look at it. Uh-huh. But it, it that, that's what it's about. You show improvement, not through your, your recruiting classes, although that's part of the process, but you show improvement by winning games on, on Saturday nights and the occasional Thursdays. So when it comes to, to drink, you, you gotta, I think, I think you got to win at least eight, eight games this year. Where are they getting those eight wins, Anthony? I'm looking at the schedule, and I don't see it. So that's, I don't see that's, it at all. That's the tough but part. But honestly, week three for these guys is Kansas State. Who crushed them last yeah. year. Yeah. So I, I don't see these wins. I'm looking at the schedule, and I count five wins. Five wins total? Yeah. South Dakota, Mid-Tennessee, Memphis, Vanderbilt. And then I'm looking at the bottom half. I'm looking at Arkansas. I don't even think Kentucky's a gimme. They're not a gimme, but that, that's a game. Okay, so then uh, let's add them in. Six wins. Ooh. Look at the schedule. Okay, so South Dakota won, Middle Tennessee two. Kansas State, I think, is a toss-up. You should beat Memphis. That would be three. You, you got to beat Vanderbilt. That's four. You're not beating LSU. That's going to be tough. Kentucky, toss-up. South South Carolina is good, but I, I think they're I think they're beatable. You've got a couple of you got a couple of swing games. Kansas State's a swing game. Kentucky, South Carolina, the rest are Arkansas, Tennessee. I mean, can you beat can you beat Tennessee at home? Oh, come on, come on. Andy. You got a home game late November, but this is what I'm talking about, though, Jamie. But this is what I'm talking about. But you have to improve yourself at some point, right? Yeah, try, but have I to... don't see it happening. I don't see it Boy, happening. Boy, you are negative. I'm not. I'm looking at this schedule, and the back half of this schedule is pretty tough. Next thing you're going to tell me is they don't have a quarterback. Have they declared who's going to start? No. <laughs> Which is could be problematic. So I want to believe. I really do. I mean, if there's anything I want is for Mizzou to be successful. Uh, obviously, I've got personal ties to the school. My daughter's a graduate there. Uh, and I enjoyed going there. And I, I love everything that Mizzou stands for. I don't know if they're getting to seven wins. I don't know if they're getting to six wins. It's going to be a tough year. And the fact that they don't have a bona fide starter right now at the quarterback position, or maybe they do, but they haven't told us. You know, and Eli Drinkwitz supposed to be this offensive guy, and the offense has been, yeah, it's been fine. Yeah, it, 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 his offense is uh, that's that's probably the thing I'm I've, I've been most disappointed in. Quite frankly, I've been pleasantly surprised with his with his recruiting. But when they hired him from Appalachian State, and granted, he was only there for a year, but I thought they were bringing in a play caller that was going to, you know, certainly not uh, reinvent the wheel. SEC's tough. 
defenses are still tough despite the the, the conference you know growing from just the hey this we're just gonna everybody's gonna play great defense and run the ball uh, to what it is now but I thought we were gonna see a lot more than just the all right we're just gonna do a bunch of RPOs and that's it we're good have a couple of smaller backs do the RPO thing try to win every game 23 to 20. I thought that I thought we were going to see a little bit more of a wide wide open offense, but to the point that we just brought up, if you don't have the quarterback and he has yet to find one that really fits his system, if you don't have the quarterback, it's it's going to be very difficult to elevate your offense. Yeah, I listen. I want them to win ten games, but you know some of the text lines spouting off to me, which is hilarious all the time. Um, just says, uh, oh, the 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 Vegas money. Has them ninety over ninety percent of the money has Mizzou at six and a half wins. I don't necessarily that know if that's true anything. or not. It certainly doesn't tell me that they're going to win six and a half or seven games. Oh, can I can I explain can I explain and something? I've been told, of course, to stick to hockey. It's great. Oh, can I can I explain something with the Vegas stuff? Please. Okay. When you look, first of all, when you're looking at the 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 like where the money is, people misconstrue that. When you're talking about the money being on a certain side, people misconstrue that to mean that the Sharps are on that side. That does not mean that. <laughs> it means that at that sports book or some sites use four or five different sports books, whether it's Vegas or online, yeah. they use those sports books and they tally the number of times somebody bets on a certain side. So in other words... You could get Marsh, Jamie, me, everybody at 101 ESPN, like 20 of us, to all bet the over for Mizzou's win total. That doesn't mean anything. So you got 100% of the 20 people betting on Mizzou to go over their win total. Yeah, that doesn't mean anything. We, we're not sharps. The sharps have that six and a half right now for a reason. It, it, is, it, it is when you see the line movement go the other way. And the ticket count be high, that is an indication that the guys that do this for a living are on that side. For example, Mizzou, let's say Mizzou and LSU, okay? 85% of the money is on LSU minus 10. I'll just use a random number, man, at minus 10. But before kickoff, the line drops to nine. If everybody's on LSU, the line should go the other way. But if it's going if it's going down, that is an indication that sharp money is on that side. So the people and I'm just I'm just trying to provide a little perspective here. So for the people that are saying ninety percent of the money is on Mizzou to go over their win total, that I'm sorry, that means nothing. That means ninety percent. That means you you and your buddies Mizzou fans, right? You and your buddies are going to win more over. than six and a half right. games. So, and I'll go back to with this. all due respect. I'll go back to this. They have it set at six and a half because. That's a number that That's makes better, people struggle. Right. They don't have, trust me, Vegas isn't doing you a favor by saying six and a half, bet the over, man. It's guaranteed. We right. love Mizzou. We want all of you guys to win your money. They're not doing that. They're putting it at six and a half because they have looked at this schedule. They have done all the matchups and they think to themselves, if they win seven, that will be a feat. That will be something. So to bet the over, they're going to have to really bring their A game. Mm-hmm. Now, they might only win six games because the schedule is a little daunting in certain parts of it. That's why it's set at six and a half. That's why you can't let just your 
your your inner Mizzou Tiger fandom just say, well, there's no way they won't win seven games. There's a reason it's set at six and a half because mm-hmm. they know a lot more than we do. Yeah, yeah. The, the line makers get there. This is how they make their money. All right. Uh, best of luck, though. I'm, I'm hope I'm, I'm hoping we see some some magic this year for Mizzou. I like drink. I do. I, I want hope, them to. I said I, I hope they do win well. Ten games. I don't care. I want them to win. I want to see Luther. But Burden. you asked for the truth and you asked for my opinion. And damn it, that's what you get. I want to see Luther Burden go like off. Like or not. <laughs> I want to see him have a big year. I want to see Mizzou have a big year. I would love to talk SEC football all season long. It's one of my favorite things. But Mizzou's got to be at the very least they get they they got to be relevant. So we'll uh we'll see that first I think the first test is Kansas State. That's the first test and then we'll go from there. It's a fast lane on 101 ESPN. Did Jimmy G just throw shade at the Niners? You're going to have to listen to this to kind of determine it, but I think he did. That's next on 101 ESPN. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Your time check is brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Trey Lance was traded over the weekend from the 49ers to the Dallas Cowboys for a fourth-round pick. And Jimmy G, Jimmy Garoppolo, was on SI.com's Robin Lundberg, the the show. I don't know if it's a show or podcast. Oh, Lundy. Um, And he was asked about the Trey Lance situation. This This is what Jimmy G had to say. What did you make of the, the Trey Lance trade to Dallas? Weird situation. Been a lot of weird situations over there in San Francisco. Just to leave it at that. But, uh, you know, I'm happy Trey got another shot, man. How do you think San Francisco's handled those, those quarterback situations? How do you think they've handled them? <laughs> I think it's been messy. I'll, I'll put it that way. <laughs> yeah, that's a nice way to put it. Wow. I've got a take on this, by the way. Go ahead. Well, I, okay. So this is this is what this is. What I'll say on this. This is this is not the Cleveland Browns. This is an organization that constantly has screwed up quarterback situation. You know, after quarterback situation and after draft pick. This is the 49ers, who since John Lynch took over, have had John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan. They've had nothing but success, and it's not to say that they haven't had missteps. The Trey Lance trading up for Trey Lance, historic failure. They moved on. They recognized, hey, this isn't going to work out. They moved on quickly. It doesn't. It doesn't take away the fact that that that's a horrible deal for the Niners. 
But this is an organization that largely knows what it's doing. So for Jimmy J, Jimmy G to say that, and I know it was kind of a rocky situation a year ago, but for Jimmy G to say, yeah, hey, a lot of weird things happen in San Francisco, I think it's kind of interesting. Yeah, so here's my take on it. Full take is that the only thing that's made it weird in San Francisco has been drafting Trey Lance at, thir- at three. And since John Lynch has done that, he has tried to force the square peg in the round hole because that's a top five pick, top three pick, that you just drafted to your organization that isn't working out. Mm. So from the moment he drafted Trey Lance, the, the, the thought was he was going to take over, be the next guy. He was right behind Jimmy G. And so Jimmy G probably didn't appreciate the way he was treated, certainly when they put Trey Lance as the starter last year and then went, ooh, okay. Uh, hey, Jimmy, remember when we didn't have you as the starter? We were just kidding. So that's probably what Jimmy G's talking about when he says there's a lot of weird things that go on. Right? Yeah, sure. So probably... The fact that they drafted him, then then they tried to force feed him into the lineup as the starting quarterback, and then obviously this year with the way things have gone to where he wasn't even in the running for it, they bring in Sam Darnold as the backup guy, Mm -hmm. and then they trade Trey Lance. That's my take on what I just heard Jimmy G say. Yeah, Basically, didn't want to really rip the organization, Lynch in particular, for drafting him and trying to to force feed the guy into the lineup, but he kind of was like, yeah, like yeah. Trey Lance to me is the common denominator in all of this weirdness. Right. Not the individual, but just the fact that he was drafted so high, didn't pan out. They tried to make sure he played. It yeah. didn't work. They wanted it again. It didn't work. Now they've traded him for a fourth rounder. Mm-hmm. To me, that was my, that's my take on that. Yeah, I mean, I guess you're probably right. And I guess the if you look back at the weird, I mean, you could say that there's a lot of weird things happening in Green Bay, too. Jordan Love yeah. gets drafted. Aaron Rodgers spirals out of control. Well, Favre then the wins thing. an MVP. Yeah, Favre right. says, Favre. I'm not his teacher. And then Rodgers basically says, I'm not here to develop Jordan Love. Like, right. like, what are we doing? It's bizarro world. Yeah, but eventually Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers is out. Even, even the Matt Ryan situation in Atlanta, they started to show a little bit of interest in Deshaun Watson. And Matt Ryan's like, whoa, okay. Well, um, I don't like that. And the Falcons essentially say, "Okay, well, uh, we're, we're going to trade you because we're we're rebuilding. We could use the cap space." So they they deal him. I guess I guess it's any situation, any quarterback situation. I mean, Peyton Manning didn't even finish in Indianapolis, of all guys. Tom Brady did not finish in in New England. At some point, these guys, the front offices are going to look to to draft the the next guy, which is what they should do, by the way. If if the Packers didn't look for Brett Favre's replacement, they would not have wound up with Aaron Rodgers. If Bill Walsh did not look for Joe Montana's replacement, they would not have traded for Steve Young. You, at some point, you have to you have to move forward. Well, yeah, you have to, or you end up in an absolute disastrous situation to where your franchise quarterback is now gone or aged out, and you got nothing. Yeah, and you got nothing exactly right. Hey, you can play in the Pick'em Challenge. Get signed up to play this year's Fastlane Pick'em Challenge at 101ESPN.com. Make your football picks each week and see if you can defeat us, the Fastlane, and the dudes from the Rizzuto Show, the Fastlane, and the Riz Show, throwing down all football season long in the Pick'em Challenge. Get signed up to play now at 101ESPN.com, courtesy of Bud Light. Jamie Rivers, Anthony Stalter, we do have some blues cues coming up at the bottom of the hour, so why don't you start getting those in for us. 314-399-9646. Again, if you got a blues 
Blues-related question for us. Great. 314-399-9646. We're going to do our Blues Cues segment at the bottom of the hour. But Marsh threw out an interesting question regarding the Cardinals and two teams that they they might try to emulate, but those two teams are almost exact opposites. We'll get to that next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. It's a fast lane on 101 ESPN. Again, make sure you get your blues cues in right now. 314-399-9646. 15 minutes, we'll do our blues cue segment. But, Marsh, you you had thrown out an interesting question to us in the office related to the Cardinals and who they're trying to be. And you threw out two teams, but two teams that I think are, are distinctly different. Yeah, so we we actually were just talking about the Braves. The Braves are one of the, the two teams. And obviously, everyone, you're probably thinking... Well, of course, I'd love to be the Braves. They're the best team in Major League Baseball. That's a team that they put the the same guys out every single night uh, for the most part. The other team is the San Francisco Giants, who sort of do this uh, you know, plug-and-play type thing where you have a bunch of no-name dudes that we never even heard of, and somehow they're in a wild-card position trying to make the playoffs, and they throwing, did that too. Throwing near, near no-headers. Exactly. They did that uh, two years ago, too, and ended up winning the division. So I'm wondering, what is the best route for this roster? Obviously, I feel like a lot of people are probably going to think in their head, you want Braves. to be the Braves, yeah. obviously. But what can what can this roster be? Because I feel like now they're trying to do the plug and play thing, and you know, mix and match, do all these uh, you know different lineups and whatnot. And it's not working. They're yeah. trying to be the 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 uh, the Giants, but they just can't, and they can't be the Braves. Right. So you 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 said it well when you said every everybody's going to pick the the Braves. That's what they should. That's what they For should sure. aspire. You know, aspire to be. That's the best team in baseball. So if you're building a roster and you're looking to looking to build a roster in a certain way, yeah, do what the Braves did. You got to have a lot of smart people. You got to make the right decisions, and those decisions have to pay off. But to your your last point about who they're trying to be, with with the way that they mix guys into the lineup. Uh, you look at the, with Tommy Edmond and Brendan Donovan playing different positions, infielders, outfielders, mix, match. Jordan Walker is not a a true outfielder, but they don't have another spot for him. They're playing him in the outfield. They mix and match a lot. Dylan Carlson can be kind of the forgotten man at times. Tyler O'Neill, when he's, when he's healthy, is he a regular start? There's all these questions constantly with the Cardinals. You cannot. I've made this point before. You cannot be. You cannot have Nolan Arenado, Willis Contreras, and Paul Goldschmidt and do the Giants thing. Mm-hmm. You can't. You can't have those three guys and do the Rays thing. You have to build a team where you pretty much have a set eight, and then build build a bench, and that's going to require you to make some hard decisions in the off season to trade guys, but you also need pitching. So why not trade trade if you can. Trade some of these these accent pieces that do have major league talent and major league service time to other teams that are willing to give up a little pitching. You you're in that you have that advantage. When it comes to the Giants, 
the Giants are are a balance of guys that were run off other rosters. Mike Yastrzemski di- didn't really do anything until he's 28, 29 years old, then fi- finally found his home with the Giants. One-year one deals like a Mitch Haniger this season or name any pitcher on the on the Giants. And then a bunch of young guys, Patrick Bailey and Luciano and Matos and all these. They're a combination because they don't mind playing guys for a half a game. And those guys don't mind either. Because they're winning. They know they know what they're <laughs> that does help. <laughs> in other words, let's let's simplify this. When the Giants players get to the get to the clubhouse every day, they know what their role is. Mm-hmm. When the Braves players get to the clubhouse every day, they know what their role is. We can say that for most of the Cardinals, but not everyone. And I think that they're they're constantly caught in between. Like they want to play the matchups, they want to do the righty lefty thing, they want to do this, they want to do that, and they don't give yeah. enough runway for some of these younger players to just get the reps. Dylan Carlson, I think, is a perfect example of that. Some people feel as though Dylan Carlson can't play. Okay, maybe he can't. But 24 years old, he has not had an extended run. He's in the lineup one time, and he's, he's out for two games. And he's in the lineup for two games, and he's out for two games. If you're the Giants and you have a bunch of like kind of half players, you can do that. But you notice the Braves. The Braves don't do that. They got, they got eight dudes. Yeah. And they're going to play every day. So I guess where I, I went automatically with this topic is that the Cardinals are stuck in between. And you said it in that last little bit there. They're stuck in between. Yep. Because they have Goldie, Contreras, and Arenado that are your for sures, right? Or at least they should be. Mm-hmm. Every now and then they get Contreras off his feet. But when he's not catching, most of the time he's DHing. Yeah. But then the rest of their roster is. You know they're they're playing matchups. Yep. I don't know if you can do both and be successful. I agree. Like you're either in it or you're not. Mm-hmm. So then I guess the Cardinals' biggest project this off season becomes how do you create your best eight? Your best eight. And who are your best eight? Right. Identify that right now. And you can't if you're the Cardinals front office, you can't get stuck in the pattern then of going well. Oh, well, this is my eight. But if they have a lefty on the bomb, this is my eight over here. Because now you're just repeating the cycle. That's what the Giants do. I know, which I is know. fine. But for them, I feel like the Cardinals only pick and choose. I agree. Who their matchup guys are? Exactly. Like at the start of the season, Gorman would never face a left-handed pitcher. Mm-hmm. It was but illegal, then, actually. It but then legal. you had guys that were batting like Carlson from the left-hand side, which is he's not a good left-handed batter. But they'd play the matchup with him against a righty because he had the left-handed bat, but you're probably better off just going with a right-handed bat in that situation because Carlson Mm. wasn't doing the damage he needed to do anyways. That's a great point. So it's like, why are we playing matchups that may not be as successful just because we're playing matchups? Agreed. I couldn't agree more. We got a text from the 636. It's funny, Mo and his effort to build the perfect analytics team has somehow built an ideal whitey ball squad except for the fact that this team doesn't produce runs like those teams did. Yeah. You know, if you're – so, again, you're going in the offseason. Why why don't you take a page out of the 49ers book? You just saw what they did with Trey Lance. They selected him third overall in the NFL draft, traded up for him 
recognized that he wasn't going to get up to speed anywhere, anytime, anytime soon. And they're a they're a championship club, and they said we we just got to move on. We got we got to move on. We made a mistake. Let's let's move on. Let's get a fourth round pick and let's get on with our lives. We'll take the heat initially, but if Trey Lance never pans out, it's it's going to sting less. Do you guys feel the Cardinals do that? Because I don't. No, I don't think they move on at all. I think, <laughs> and I think Tyler O'Neill is a perfect example of well, that. Well, I think the mm-hmm. Randy Arozarena absolutely ripped John Mozeliak's soul out. Right. As far as moving on from players. Right. To where I, I believe he's hung on to certain players longer than he should have based off of the Randy Rosarena effect. I agree. It's a tough way to run a, any kind of sports right. franchise. You got to let it go. You can't be looking in the rearview mirror. The fans, us in the media, we'll take our pot shots with the Randy Rosarena trade. But you got to move on. It, you, you can't. You, you can't be traumatized by one deal. The 618 says that they, they overhype a lot of their mediocre talent, and now they're having to weed through it. And maybe maybe they maybe the texture makes a good point that Mo feels like he has to showcase this talent because they've somewhat overhyped these players. Like, oh, Dylan Carlson, you know, he's going to be this. And, you know, he was good for a season. Mm-hmm. And then he, he's been okay. I feel like they've overhyped them, though, before they hit the majors. 100%. Right? 100%. And in fairness to the Cardinals, every sports franchise yeah, does that. For sure. Their first-round picks, their top prospects. There you go. Because they truly believe in what they've selected. And then when they get to the majors, sometimes it looks different. And then at that point, sometimes you overextend the invitation because it should look different. And we were really high on this guy and that's where you get stuck in the pattern of hanging on too long. Mm-hmm. To your point two seconds ago about mm-hmm. Trey Lance, they moved on from him, but they still it took him three years to move on from mm-hmm. him. Two seasons, this would be the third season. Yeah. So it's not always automatic that you recognize it's time to move on. Uh, I, I don't mind. I don't. Not that I don't mind. Hyping up prospects doesn't. I don't care either way. Mm-hmm. Think about it this way: if you're Mo. And you're asked about Mason Wynn or Jordan Walker or in the past Dylan Carlson. Wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you say we love him? We love this kid. Can't wait to see him. Mm-hmm. We're so excited for him. As opposed to, well, I don't know. He's got a lot to work on. Da, 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 da. Even if he does, I think it was the you want cold the... dead hands that ruined it. Sure. Me. Like I think Army and Mo both have one thing each they'd like to take back as far as what they've said to the media. For Army, it would be um, Pareko. Pareko. He's the alpha dog now. Right. I think he'd like that one back and word it just a little differently. Mm -hmm. And for Mo, I think it's the cold, dead hands that he'd like to have back and probably say something along the lines of, it would take quite a bit for us to move on from Dylan Carlson because he's such a great player. Right. So it's not cold, dead hands here. Sure. Either either way, you want other you want other GMs, you want mm-hmm. other scouts, and other in other in, in other your cities. Fans. Your fan, your, you want your fans to be excited. Certainly, now they're Money. you set up you set them up for disappointment too. But you hey. create you create a little excitement. Plus, again, you get some other team. It's like ah, oh, at one point you said he wouldn't, you know, cold dead hands. Mm-hmm. Maybe you know he can't play, and you ship him out. I don't think even being realistic matters when it comes to the the prospects. 
I do think there's nothing for you. There's a lot of frustration from Cardinal fans though because they do hear, oh, this guy, he's great, we love him. And then they they don't pan out. Like the guys that end up panning out are the are the guys that we've not we don't really hear about. Brendan Donovan, Lars sure. Newpart. Name all the guys that have panned out over the last ten years that have been really highly touted prospects in this organization. And that goes to the question of are the Cardinals developing these guys correctly? Why can't okay, so but part of this is on us as fans and the media. Why don't we use our own eyes? To evaluate, and I'm talking to everybody. I'm talking to myself. Wow, you so you said he was good. Mm-hmm. What did you think? What did you What did you think? As opposed to, why don't we take a little ownership, a little accountability in using our own eyes to watch the games and say this dude can't play, or this guy I really like him. He can play. He's got a couple. As opposed to the John Mozeliak answering a question or Doug Armstrong answering a question about a young guy. That you want to sell. I, as a fan, I think at some point you say, "Okay, well, I'm not, bu- I'm not buying what the organization is saying. I'm just going to wait and watch myself." And maybe a lot of people are doing that now. Maybe, maybe they're not getting fooled anymore. Yeah, fool me once, shame on you. <laughs> fool me twice, well, well, you can't fool me again. Fool me, can't get fooled again. <laughs> All right, it's Fast Lane on 101 ESPN. Uh, Blues Cues next. If you've got questions, 314-399-9646 is the Air Comfort Service text line or our YouTube channel at 101 ESPN. STL Blues Cues next. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Now, it's time for the Fast Lane's Blues Cues. That's right. Time for the Blues Cues here in the Fast Lane. 314-399-9646 is the Air Comfort Service text line or our YouTube channel at 101 ESPN SDL. If you want to leave us a question there in the chat room, you can. But Marsh, fire away with some Blues Cues. All right. Let's start with the 314 Blues Cues. The topic with the cards has been, why should we believe they can turn it around from this season based off of the mistakes they've made the last couple of years. So my same question is with the Blues. Why should I believe that this front office that's made mistakes the last couple of seasons that has led up to last season will be able to turn it around within two years? Well, define turn it around. You know, is turn it around get back in the playoffs or is it winning the division for the Blues? Because I think that if it's get back in the playoffs, I think you can firmly you can you can be optimistic that this team could push for a playoff spot next year. And to go from what seemed to be an abysmal year last year, according to you know recent standards for this team, mm-hmm. to be able to push for a playoff spot right away again in a quick quick retool, I'd say that that's pretty good. I I like the way you phrase that. I think it should the expectation should be. To get back to the playoffs after missing it last year and having to retool, uh-huh. and I do think I I agree with you. I think the Blues can absolutely make the playoffs this season. Yeah, and then I think that Army gets another trade deadline and another off season. I I think that this team's looking pretty good after that. Yep. Question from the six three six: How does Craig Berube manage the defensive pairings if Tori Krug and Scott Perunovic are healthy at the same time? Well, are they both playing to the same level? Right, that's where I go with it. Is uh, you have Tori Krug that has a resume 
that backs up everything that he's done in the past. But again, that's in the past. Uh, Scott Perunovich doesn't have a resume yet. Uh, and physically, they're close to being the same size. Stylistically, they kind of bring the same thing to the table. For for my dollar's worth, Scott Perunovich has to outplay Tory Krug to take that spot. You're paying $6.5 million with a no-trade clause that kind of bit you in the offseason. And Tory Krug, again, go back, look at the numbers. He's one of the top-scoring defenseman on the power play in the last 10 years yeah you gotta earn it you, you can't just you're not just handing it off to scott perunovich it's not a situation where krug's on his final year of his deal and it's the changing of the guard and all right. that stuff if they're both healthy and they're both playing well scott perunovich has to do something above and beyond that tory krug cannot do in order to take that spot we got a question from Fink's dad not only does uh he text in interesting things uh, but he also has interesting questions. Can a player like Cappy or Verona have any kind of leadership role, or are they just there along for the ride? Uh, Cappy does have a leadership role, and I don't mean like a letter on his jersey, but from talking to, to the players last year, coaching staff, and the individual himself, he's old school. You know, his dad played in the NHL for a really long time. I played against his dad, so the kid grew up in the, in the locker room, so to say, so he understands how it works. And when he got here last year, the guy said that he was awesome, that uh, he was great in the locker room, uh, you know, he was great with things on the road and just things like that in general. So I think that kind of falls naturally into his personality as to be someone that's part of the solution, leadership-wise. Verona's a little more uh, quiet, a little more to himself. Doesn't mean he's not a leader, but I wouldn't count on him to be the guy that you're turning to for leadership of this team. I think that for Jacob Verona, it's going to be to consistently produce offensively without being a detriment defensively. FedEx Brian wants to know, is it imperative that the Blues re-sign Booch either during the season or at the end of the season? Well, tough one. Army doesn't usually like to sign contracts somewhere once the season has started. I could see Army approaching Booch right before the regular season starts and offering a contract extension. Now, to be fair to all parties involved, you know, Booch doesn't have to take that deal. He's going to be a unrestricted free agent at the end of, not this year, I believe it's next year. And if he continues to produce at the pace that he did last year, he's going to probably want to cash his own ticket into a pretty nice contract for himself, probably long term as well. So when you look at this, he's 5.8 this year, 5.8 next year, and he's unrestricted. What's the threshold for Army? Does he pull the, the the regular Army and talk about, well, we're just going to move on from this player? Or does he see enough value in a really solid two-way player that'll be 30 years old come unrestricted free agency? I would throw a four-year deal at him at that point. What that money looks like, I can't even imagine because I don't know where the cap will be at that point. I think Army kicks the tires, but I think this one plays out to the end. We'll see. Anthony, you might know this one from the 314. What's the hockey equivalent of spin rate? What the ooh? Um, probably clearing it out of the zone as quickly yeah, as possible. That's what I was thinking. Oh, no. No? Uh, time in the neutral zone. Spin rate. Uh, hmm. I don't think there is an, an equivalent. No, hmm. it's thinking it's like slap shot would be hard hit rate. But I don't know what spin rate would be. Yeah, maybe the That's elevation tough. of a sauce pass. I don't know. 
Maybe how much? How much? <laughs> what? How much movement you put on a on a puck? Yeah, shooting. Maybe if you're you're snapping you're snapping one like Austin Matthews, the the distance between the stick moving from the initial shot to where it finishes. Right. And he drags it in and snaps it off. I. Well, I just I don't know. I, I just made that up. But. I just think of uh, what's his name, Tyler from Mighty Ducks with a knuckle puck. Yeah. You know, I think that I think he's the only one that would have a spin rate. Yeah. Yeah. Well, not really, because when you shoot the puck, it's actually spinning. Like when you pass the puck, it's spinning, but it's not like end over end. Well, that's not what Tyler Johnson did. You know in the circus when they're spinning the plates on top of the stick? That's how the puck is spinning. Yeah, but Tyler from the Mighty Ducks, he he got that thing. Yeah. It was going end over end and up and down. That's not really spinning. It's flipping. Either way, that's what he was doing. Huh. Tilted that bad Johnson on its side. (laughs) Gave it a whack. He sure did. Yeah. Good old Russ Tyler. Russ Tyler. Russ Tyler. Yeah, Jamie, you missed our conversation about the Mighty Ducks the other day. Oh, boy. I can just imagine. It was brilliant. I'm sorry. Some said it was brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Someone said I did screw up up one of the schools. Okay, so someone brought up a good one here from the 636, going back to the spin rate. Yeah. Someone said you could say deflection. Okay. Okay. That's not bad. Because it changes the direction. Direction of the puck. It's not bad at all. That's not bad. What about the... uh, it's the closest we're going to get, I think. Don't sound defeated. I don't like that. I'm not defeated. I'm, I'm, I'm actually, I'm just making a decision on this. I warned you. And we move forward. Hey, I'm making a decision on this, and we're moving forward. What about the goalies post-to-post? How quick they can move laterally? Like I said, Marsh, we made we, a decision. Yeah, okay. And we're pushing forward. All right. All right, we, we got, got one more. With Whether you like it or not, we're pushing forward. Exa- exactly. All right, one more here. Uh, I just models. brought up uh, goaltending. You brought up Russ Tyler, who was the goalie. Oh, that's right. For... A shift, which I still to this day have no idea how they did that. But that's for a gear change. <laughs> for the six three six, does Joel Hofer become the Blues starter at some point next season? Nah, nah. I think listen, Blues fans, I understand how you know you maybe you've soured on Jordan Bennington or you don't believe like you once did. I'm telling you, there's still a really elite goalie in there, and. Joel Hofer has all the makings to be a great NHL goalie. I I just don't think it's next year. I think that he'll get his 25 to 30 games, which he should. I think he's going to play very well, and we should all be hoping for that. At the same time, we should be hoping that Jordan Bennington also recaptures his game and gives you what he did for a number of years before that, and specifically playoff Bennington. So I, I don't think next year is the year. I really do believe that both goalies are going to have good seasons for the Blues. That's Jamie Rivers. That's our guy, Andrew Marsham. Anthony Stalter. The Fast Lane has your chance to win a pair of tickets right now for St. Louis Blues Night at the Cardinals game, which is on Friday, September 15th. September 15th. Fans will receive a Cardinals and Blues inspired quarter zip windbreaker, courtesy of Bally Sports Midwest. Our guy, Mike Ryder, said it's a, it's incredible. He loves it. He loves the, loves the look of it. So, yeah, I he, noticed he was trying to, he was like trying to barter with people already. He, he hasn't was, even yeah. handed out yet. It's been kind of weird. I honestly, I don't blame Ryder for doing it. It's that a fantastic though. jacket. There's no You got to get what you want, you know? You know. Go out and get it. Get all the ticket ticket info for St. Louis Blues Night at the Cardinals game at cardinals.com slash theme. And you can text in right now to the Air Comfort Service text line, 314-399-9646. We have a trivia question for you today. 
We wanted to do a Cardinals and Blues theme, or at least a baseball and hockey theme question. So Jamie cooked up a, a good question for us. Yeah, we had Mike Matheny on not too long ago, and in talking to Mike and knowing his family as well as we do, and I, and I know his family very well, his daughter played hockey, D1 hockey, at which college? There you have it. If you have the correct answer and you're the 101st texter at the 314-399-9646 Air Comfort Service text line number, you'll have a chance to go see the Cardinals for the St. Louis Blues night on September 15th. We're going to do NFL contender or pretender, but we got we got different categories for each pretender or contender. That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Play NFL contender or pretender. We we group these teams into specific categories, though, because if you just say contender or pretender, okay, for for what though? So why don't we start off with the Super Bowl? These teams are they contenders or pretenders to win the Super to Bowl? To win it? To win it? Or how about this? At least get there? Oh, now you've just changed it again. Which one is it? Super Bowl? To at least get there. All right, represent their conference in the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. The Buffalo Bills. Pretender or contender, Jamie? Oh, pretender. And that conference? Pretender. Eh, there's no way. Sorry, Donnie Fandango, if you're listening, although I, f- I, I feel like you think the same thing. Even though you're a passionate uh, Bills fan, I think that there's some doubt in there. Um, yeah, pretender for me. Sorry, guys. Marsh? I'm going contender. I think they can get there. They've been so close. Doesn't sound convincing. No, it doesn't. They're always there. They're always in the mix. Why? You know, maybe this is the year they end up doing it. Uh-huh. So I don't love their O line, and they got injury problems there. But I think they got a top ten defense. They had a lot of injury luck, uh, bad luck last year. So a lot of bad injury luck last year. But they, they still got Josh Allen. They're they're going to be a handful to deal with in September and October when the weather's nice. It's just, can they be physical? when the weather starts to turn. But I still think that that team is good enough, coaching-wise, quarterback-wise, defense-wise, to to be a Super Bowl, a legit Super Bowl contender. How about the Bengals this year, guys? Um, hmm, That's a tough one. I'm going to say pretender. Jamie's in a pretender mood today. No, I'm just, I'm looking. Listen, to get to the Super Bowl, that's a very serious thing, Anthony. You can't just have every team make the Super Bowl. Can't hand it to them. No, and that offensive line still scares the heck out of me that Joe Burrow might get actually murdered again this year. They really haven't done much. They've, they've, They've kind of improved it. But that guy was still running around like he was on fire last year. Part of it's him. He holds the ball on a long time. He'll admit that. Get well, the damn ball out of your hand, okay, Joe. Fine, fine. He holds he holds the balls too long. That's fine. No he one needs to ball. get rid of the ball. They balls. play with one ball. No, there's several in a game, though, Anthony. So overall, there's several. I think you could still say you hold the ball too long. But they don't use just the one ball. They use lots of balls in the yeah. game. Every down, there's a different ball out there. Yeah. So he hangs onto the balls too long. That's on him. However, uh, the offensive line still not good enough for me. So pretender. All right. Contender. They haven't done anything. That- oh. He- 
he's got two. How can you have two teams in the same conference making the Super Bowl? Okay, this, well, this that's is not the, come on, that's Jamie. Not the exercise, Jamie. Jamie. Don't, don't you, you know what? Don't I took you this dare. seriously. I'm sorry, you guys didn't. You, well, I, I don't think you understand the act. Everybody's the a contender now. That's it. That's the whole premise. It's not. It's not who's going to the Super Bowl. Is it can they nah. get to the Super Bowl? Well, I look at it differently. My criteria is a lot more strict than you guys. You guys have your fun. Andrew, go ahead. Pick another contender. Well, I'll stick with Cincinnati. <laughs> they are a contender for me. They were a a late hit out of bounds from possibly going to the Super Bowl two years in a row. Mm-hmm. So, I'm I'm going to say, of course, they're a contender. I'm gonna I'm gonna say they're a pretender this year. What? I I think that they lost that look. They Finally. lost both of their their safeties. They they lost both of their safeties. Uh, Joe Burrow entering the year with a calf injury. You know the I, the O line I think is fine. I think I think they're a top twelve O line. They've got more than enough talent on the outsides. But you know one of the reasons why they struggled last year at times was they couldn't run they couldn't run the ball. They were they weren't a physically they weren't a, they were they were a very physical team one in one of those games against Buffalo. But they lost kind of their guy that was getting a lot of the hard yards in uh, Samaj P. Ryan. So he's gone now. Joe Mixon's a good back, but I I wonder if they start to struggle a bit. Plus, it's tough to continue to get back to the AFC title game over and over and over again. Better division, conference is still stacked. I got them in the contender in the pretender category. 49ers, contender. One of the best rosters in football. I'm not worried about Brock Purdy. In that system, they got they, if they get, assuming they get Nick Bo, uh, Bosa in uh, and get a new deal for him, that's a loaded front seven, loaded defense. Christian McCaffrey, full season. I, I get them as a contender. Yeah, absolutely. They're a contender. Yeah, right. contender. Cowboys, no. absolute <laughs> pretender. Absolutely. <laughs> Move on. Next hey, whoa, question. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> they got Trey Lance now, guys. <laughs> oh, I forgot. Yeah, yeah. yeah, right. yeah. Uh, pretender. Yep. Yeah. Pretender. Yep. I love the defense. Uh, love yeah, the defense. Sure. Love that D, Jamie. Yep. We, you and I were talking about it earlier today. You said you love the D, too. Oh, yeah, I love it, especially down in Dallas. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Well, it was big everything, D. Everything's bigger in Texas, too. Uh, yeah, yeah, correct, and absolutely. We can verify. Mm-hmm. Uh, but D- Dak Prescott's got to cut down on the turnovers. Is Tony Pollard going to be able to – is he going to stay healthy? Is Mike McCarthy, that transition, going back to his, his offense, is that going to be fine? I got a lot of questions with Dallas. The Ravens. Are the are the Ravens a contender or pretender for the Super Bowl? I think they're a contender. I like to believe. What's that? Well, listen again. I take this very seriously, so I'm not just handing out contender medals here. (laughs) But looking at Lamar Jackson, he's got some weapons. They're going to have a bit of a running game, a better running game this year than they did before, and so they're based off that they're contender. What I miss. By the way, for the oh second my. for the second straight day, the Cardinals walked off the Padres. Oh, and for the second straight Tommy day, Edmund. and for the second straight day, it was Tommy Edmond set up by Mason Wynn. Mason Wynn hit a single. He rounded first like he was being chased. Yep. Slid into second, and then Tommy Edmond just hit one to end it. Mm-hmm. Tommy Edmond walk off home run at Bush Stadium, mm-hmm. and the Cardinals defeat the Padres. Back-to-back walk-offs. This team's going places. This team is turning it around. Yeah, they are. Just in, just in time for a late-season push. About, I think midnight tonight. Marsh is going to get a text <laughs> from the <laughs> Cardinals. Not go that far. And it's gonna it's gonna have absolutely wh- one not. question, two words. You up? All jokes aside, guys, this is what I want. 
As a Cardinals fan, I want things to cheer for. I want things that make me happy. Just win, baby. I know they're out of the playoffs. I'm not, there's no fantasy there. But seeing this kind of stuff, yeah, this is fun. Look at these guys. A little bit of life to them. Yeah. yeah. All right, well, real quick. So, Jamie, you said the Ravens. I said contender. Uh, contender, yes. Marsh. Pretender. Uh, Lamar Jackson, one in three in the playoffs. He has five interceptions, those three touchdowns, until he can prove to me that he can stay healthy and also come up in the big, you know, play good in the big game. They're pretender. I say contender. But you pick Josh Allen. They've been to an ASU championship game like three years ago, two yeah, years ago. That actually wasn't. No. Yeah, it was. It in twenty twenty one. They lost to the Chiefs. That was the go to it was a bad, Tampa. It was a COVID year. That was no, they beat the That wasn't the AFC title game. Then they played them again. Two years ago, the Bengals lost to the Rams in the Super Bowl. Correct. But the year before, the year prior, so I don't think the Bills play. I don't think that was the AFC title game. I think it was the divisional round. I could be wrong on that. I might. No, oh, here it is. Twenty twenty one AFC Championship game. That Bills was twenty four. Chiefs thirty eight. It was played on January fourth or twenty fourth, twenty twenty one. Okay, so that wasn't the game. That that wasn't the uh, the wild game. That was the COVID that wasn't year. Okay, so that wasn't the thirteen no. second game. No, that was a divisional round game. My apologies. That's okay, Anthony. My apologies. I like the way he jumped all over him there. You did, though. I felt it in my bones. Probably should. Ravens got a top 10 defense. <laughs> I think Lamar Jackson actually has an offense coordinator now. I like the running game. I like Zay Flowers, the, the rookie. I, I don't care about, like, the, the, adding Odell Beckham Jr. Everybody gets all, gets all hot and bothered by that. I don't care. Mark Andrews, Zay Flowers, the running game, Lamar being a beast. I think the Ravens are a legit Super Bowl contender this year. All right, we'll save the other ones maybe for tomorrow. We got Championship Sunday contender, pretender, playoff appearance contender, pretender. Uh, but the, again, the Cardinals do walk it off again against the Padres. A Tommy Edmond two run home run with two outs, by the way. Two outs. Mason win with two outs, hits a double, and then it's Tommy a single Edmund, that he turns into a double. Fair enough. You should have seen him go, man. And then Tommy Edmond touches seats with a home run. He walks it off. For the second straight second straight day for the Cardinals. We've got the gauntlet next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Three warriors, four categories, one challenger. Can you master the gauntlet? Brought to you by Master, your hometown source for business communications for more than 30 years. Visit Mastor.com. Four oh three. Your time check is brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. It's a fast lane on one hundred and one ESPN. Welcoming in Ed. Ed is our latest contestant here in the gauntlet. What's up, Ed? Not a lot going on. Hey, you you left us a great mic drop yesterday on the the Cardinals, the the pitching. Really, not the Cardinals, just the the pitching overall. That uh, was fantastic, man. Good take. Thank you. I I leave a lot more, but at least you took the good one. Well, good. Yeah, we appreciate you being a part of the show, man. So, welcome into the gauntlet. Would you like to take on Marsh, Jamie, or me today? I would like to take on you, Anthony. Because you know I've been bad. I'm not good at hockey, is my reasoning. So you think you're going to get me in hockey because the wheel hates me? And Yeah, no, good call. Ed, I think it's a, a brilliant move. Good luck, buddy. Thank you. 
All right, Anthony's going to make his way to the Cone of Silence. And as he makes his way there, we're going to have Ed tell our guy, Marshy, to spin the wheel. Spin that wheel, Marsh. All right, Ed, so you don't want hockey. What would be your preferred category? Um, pretty deep in football right now, so I could take that. Okay. Well, it's not football. It's not it's hockey. Not ho- it's random. Uh, yeah, yeah, I hear you, buddy. I hear you. All right, so Marshy's getting the questions here. While he's doing that, we'll go over the rules here. Each question is worth two points if you answer it correctly without the options. If you use the options, answer it correctly, it's worth one point. And, of course, if you answer it wrong, well, you get zero points. Ed, are you ready to rock? I am ready. Okay, buddy, here we go. Again, the category is random. Question number one. When Charlotte re-entered the NBA in 2004, what was their team name for 10 seasons before they switched it back to the Hornets in 2014? Bobcats, final answer. Question number two. Who was the last team St. Louis City SC faced before League's Cup play, defeating this team 3-0? I'm going to need the options, please. Options are Inter-Miami CF, LAFC, or Columbus Crew. Inter-Miami, final answer. All right, Ed, we're on to question three here. Question three. How many times does the letter A appear in the numbers from 1 to 99 when spelled out? Um, so then. Uh, uh, one. No, hold on, hold on, hold on. Can I take the options, please? <laughs> yeah, you got it because you didn't say final answer. So here are the options zero, two, or nine. Ooh, zero, final answer. Question number four. Oh my goodness. The Copperhead is the most common poisonous snake in Missouri. The second most common poisonous snake is the Cottonmouth, also known as which other common name? Water Moccasin, final answer. I can't believe Grant went back to the well on this one. (laughs) I can. He's a troll with these questions. All right, Ed. Good job. We're going to get our guy Anthony in here. Well, he's coming in here. How do you feel about uh, today's gauntlet, buddy? I think he's going to need to pack a lunch. Yeah. Whoa. I'm not going to disagree with that. All right, Anthony's back in here. He's plugging in his ears. And um, all right, Anthony, are you ready? Maybe. In 1993. Is this the real question? Who was the Blues' second pick? In 1993. In the 1993 NHL entry draft, who did the Blues take with their second pick? Which round? That's part of the question. It's their second pick. Jamie Rivers, round three. All right, now for the real category. <laughs> Who was it? It was Jamie Rivers. Yeah. Nice job, buddy. Yeah. That's why I asked you about the round, because you were third round, weren't you? Yeah. There's a second pick, third yeah, round. All right. That's why I did that. All right. Well done, Anthony. Thank you. What a All deep right. draft. It seriously was. Very, 
Uh, random is your category. Okay. All and right. That's Good. the real one. Hey, random. I want. I wanted random today. I went to the cone of silence. I said. I looked at Ryder. I go. I want random. Mm. I want a random. Today. I want a random. That a boy. Okay. Mm -hmm. Well, here's question one. Yeah. Okay. When Charlotte re-entered the NBA in 2004, what was their team name for 10 seasons before they switched it back to the Hornets in 2014? That would be the Bobcats. Final answer. Question number two. Who was the last team St. Louis City SC faced before League's Cup play, defeating this team 3-0? Okay, so I think they've played two, two matches since resuming play was uh, did they play oh wow did they play Miami before um, what's his face got there I'll take the options options are enter Miami CF LAFC or Columbus Crew? It was Inter. It was Inter Miami. I should have not taken those options. Final answer: Inter Miami. All right, Antoine, you're on to question three. This one's easy. <clears throat> How many times does the letter A appear in the numbers from one to ninety-nine when spelled out? What? Mm-hmm. I'll just take the options. Let's just narrow this down. All right. Is it zero, two, or nine? I'm going to take a shot here and say it's zero, just because it's kind of remarkable. Like, that's those are those are weird. That's a kind of a weird question. So I'm going to go zero, final answer. Some would say it's a random question. It's a random question. Mm -hmm. I'll take zero, final answer. Total guess on that. Question number four. That was a hell of a question. So is this one. Yes, it is. The copperhead is the most common poisonous snake in Missouri. The second most common poisonous snake is the cottonmouth, also known as which other common name? I don't know. Uh, options, please. Is it the water moccasin, the coral snake, or the grass snake? There's no way it's the coral snake. Dunk would have talked about it he when defending the coral sure. reefs. Mm -hmm. What's the other options? Water moccasin and what? Grass snake. And we're talking about the copperhead? We were talking about the cottonmouth. Oh, the cottonmouth. I don't know why it would be referred to as a grass snake. So I'm... Again, total option, total uh, guess here. I'm gonna go with the water moccasin. Final answer. That was brutal. Okay. I really needed a bounce back there. That was a that was a tough. One. I wanted random. I don't know if I wanted those questions though. This was a good gauntlet. Let's go over these. Today, we're gonna go over them in order. Question one. When Charlotte re-entered the NBA in 2004, what was their team name for 10 seasons before they switched back to the Hornets in 2014? Ed, you said Bobcats. Anthony, you also said Bobcats. The answer is... The Bobcats. It is. Neither of you needed the options. Nice job, Ed. So we're two all after one. 
Question number two. Is that the only two we got right? Who was the last team St. Louis City SC faced before League's Cup play, defeating them 3-0? Ed, you went with Inter-Miami. Anthony, you also went with Inter-Miami. Answer is... It is Inter-Miami CF. But Ed and Anthony oh, both needed the you options. snake. <laughs> you water moccasin. <laughs> Well or played. grass snake. Yeah. <laughs> Question three. We're all tied up 3-3 three, three after two. Question three. How many times does the letter A <laughs> appear in the numbers from 1 to 99 when spelled out? Very common question. I was just looking at this the other day. <laughs> Ed, you said zero. Wow. Anthony, you also said zero. Answer is it's zero. But. No. Anthony no. and Ed both needed okay. the option. I was about to say. Nice job, Ed. We're rolling. Final question. Oh, boy. The Copperhead is the most common poisonous slash venomous snake in Missouri. You have no. to do that for copyright. We have to do that yeah, now. Good, good, good call. Yeah. Uh, the second most common poisonous slash venomous snake is the Cottonmouth, also known as by which other common name? Ed, you said water moccasin. Oh, wow. Anthony, you also said water moccasin. See where we're headed here. The answer is... It is water moccasin. Nice. But Ed didn't need no! the options. Ed! You have chosen no, wisely. <laughs> oh, I got them all right. Yeah. Me. Nice job, man. Hey boy, good job, man. Oh, nice job, man. <laughs> well done. Congratulations. That was a that wound up being great. Who knew? Who knew? Nice job, Ed. Uh, former Eagle Scout, so I I knew the snake question. Okay, there you go. Well done. Well played, my friend. Congratulations. You'll be back tomorrow to take on either Marsh or Jamie. All right. Thank you. All right. All nice right. job. Take care, Ed. You too. Ah, that was unbelievable. Ah. The way that set up, I was like, this is unreal. And he even got me a couple of times with a butt. <laughs> That's my oh. job. Anthony, we built it up, you know? No, you did a great job. Guys, we got a text <laughs> so from the 314. Uh, it's just, it appears that the text line just, they just didn't learn anything from last week. From the 314, hate to be that person, but it's venomous, not poisonous <laughs> for snakes. That's got to be. That's hold a on. troll. troll. I, I only know because the know-it-all at my work corrected me just today. Oh, boy. Text or troll? I think I, it's a text. I think wow. it's both. I think it's a text, but then they're also trolling because they knew the answer. I don't know. Jamie. Jamie. You're coaching. I didn't listen to it today. Here we go. Five seven three. No such thing as a poisonous snake. They are venomous. Sorry for being an a hole. I did the slash venomous. You did. I did. This yeah. time I caught the mistake. This time uh, I corrected it. Okay. All right. We got to get to Jeremy Rutherford. He's going to join us. We'll talk a little blue socket. Maybe we'll ask him about that article that appeared in uh, his website, The Athletic, about the Blues and the front office oh, yeah. rankings. I bet Jr. loves defending Tom. <laughs> Poor guy. <laughs> Jr. Next on one hundred and one ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. 
It's time for the Rutherford Report on 101 ESPN. Anything you folks want to know about the fascinating world of pro hockey, here we go. It's a fast lane on 101 ESPN. Jamie Rivers, Anthony Stalter, and our guy Jeremy Rutherford joins, joins us via our 101 ESPN celebrity line. And JR, I know that you talked to Colton Pareko for a story that uh, is going to come out tomorrow in The Athletic. What is kind of the crux of the piece? Yeah, guys, I uh, had a chance to sit down with him last week at uh, Centene. He now lives in St. Louis, probably uh, Rivers. Uh, Jamie, you're familiar with that. He's been out there skating a lot with the guys, Braden Shen, a bunch of them, and some more trickling into town. But in talking to Colton Preco, Anthony, uh, you know, he's really looking forward to this season. And the one thing that he said was last year was a tough year for him. Obviously, he admits that. Uh, but he feels like of his eight-year career, that's been the one – outlier and if you look at the stats kind of that goal share number has been falling the past couple years he missed some games with that back injury a couple years ago he feels that he's past that but to me he really seemed like a guy who was excited to get going this year and kind of show fans that he's not the player that he was last year jr is there anything in particular that he has been focusing on in the offseason whether it be yeah, in the video room or the weight room or on the ice, anything that he identified from maybe last year that he's like, you know what, I can improve this. Yeah, for sure. The number one thing that he saw is that he was thinking too much and just hesitating. And he said when he reflected on that after the season, watched the video, he said that there was too much uh, hesitation. And I know the Blues made some tweaks to their defensive system last year, but Colton said not enough that it would make that much of a difference. Again, he said the back wasn't an issue. He said he just wasn't making plays. He wasn't getting two pucks that he needed to get to, and he didn't have that total awareness that you have to have back in the defensive zone. So, you know, as he looked at this season, he said that he's really kind of tried to train himself to not think so much just to go out there and play on his instincts. Yeah, that's the one thing I've noticed at some of the skates already in the off season that he seems like he's enjoying it a little bit more. And I would agree with you watching a lot of the games last year. It, it, whether it was des- by design because the system was holding him back or whether there was just too many gaps because there weren't forwards in place, it always just seemed like a little bit of hesitation on the defensive side and on the offensive side, like he was hanging on the puck just a little bit too long before moving it. So I don't know if he addressed any of that stuff, but that's what I noticed. Yeah, just that lack of awareness. And, and I think when we looked at that Blues defense last year, yeah, Pareko was in the middle of that uh, in terms of what, what is going on back there. Uh, but I think we saw that from several of the Blues defensemen. They just weren't in lockstep and, uh, you know, with the forwards as well. But I think, uh, you know, in talking to Colton, that's one thing that he's really focused on. So, you know, we're at that point on the calendar where we can talk about it, but until we see it uh, in the in the preseason and then, of course, into the regular season, you know, that's when we'll be able to see if there's any change that's been really made. Jeremy Rutherford, our Blues Insider with The Athletic, who you can follow on Twitter at J.P. Rutherford. Uh, Jared, why do you think that, you know, in your opinion, what, why do you think that those that, that same group of guys that were here, uh, you know, Nick Letty was acquired at the trade deadline, so it's not like they were unfamiliar with him. Falk, Letty, Pareko, Krug, why do you think they had so many issues last year compared to the year prior? Yeah, especially that year prior in the postseason, uh, pretty good against uh, yeah. Minnesota, especially uh, later in that playoffs, uh, and then also against the Colorado. You know, when you saw Nick Letty play the way he did against some of those guys like McKinnon in the Colorado series, it really bodes well 
you thought after he signed that contract. So uh, it's a situation where you scratch your head at the way the defense played last year. You know, the one thing that you can say if, if you're Craig Berube or Doug Armstrong is that none of them played well, and you hope that it's just uh, connected and that it was just an off year for a few guys. But, you know, you try to point to reasons as to why. You know, it can't be that they're a year older than the, the private the previous year. You know, you're talking about four guys who can still get the job done. So I think you have to wonder, are they legitimate top four guys? You talk about Colton Pareko. Is he a true number one? The answer is probably no. Is Nick Letty a top pair guy? Probably not. Tory Krug, you know, is he a second pair guy, especially with the way he played uh, banged up last year? Probably not. And I think at times Justin Falk uh, wasn't the, the Justin Falk that we remembered from the past couple of years. So, uh, again, if you're Doug Armstrong, you just chalk it up and hope that it's a bad year. But the one thing I'll stick to, guys, is uh, he said that, I'll tell you what, if they have a year this coming season like they did last year, that same group's not going to be back regardless of how hard it is to move these guys. JR, your buddy Dom always does great work over there at The Athletic. I know a lot of Blues fans just love reading his work. Um <laughs> We were talking about this earlier. He's got a piece out now at the Athletic where he ranks the, you know, the front office and, and whatnot for the St. Louis Blues as well as every team in the NHL. He has the Blues at twenty-one. I disagreed, not big time this time. Like Dom and I weren't north and south on this, but I disagreed at twenty-one. <laughs> I I pictured them somewhere, you know, in the twelve to fifteen range. But just from your standpoint, when you look at one Dom's ranking. What do you think of the Blues being at 21? And you know, if there's something that Army could have done differently within the last six to seven months, what do you think it could be? Yeah, you know, what's funny is every time I go to uh, put a story out and I say, um, hey, Blues fans, here's a story from Dom. Go ahead and read it. You know, it's, uh, sometimes it's a tough sell. Uh, but, you know, having said that, you know, he called it last year. He felt there was going to be a big drop-off in their, in their overall points, and there was. So, um, you know, I give him a lot of credit and especially give him some credit when he when he has to battle the Blues fans because I know how it's been over the years. But, you know, with this front office ranking thing, guys, um, it, it really is a ranking of the fans. And I like the way he does it. He divides it into two parts. So he lets the general NHL public, talking about the fans, vote on where they rank the Blues in these categories, roster building, cap management, draft and development, trading, free agency, vision. And he also lets the fan base here in St. Louis vote on it, and then he publishes both results. And, you know, they were fairly similar this year. Sometimes they're not this year. They were, you know, roster building, for example. I'm looking at it here on my screen. Uh, You know, NHL general fans gave the Blues a C-, minus. the fan base here in St. Louis uh, a C-, uh, cap management, a D plus. You know, I think that stems from giving these long-term contracts out to so many guys and also the no-trade clauses. Uh, it's been tough to, to move money because of that. And then here, the draft and development. Uh, you got a lot of good young players coming in via the draft, and, and the fans here in St. Louis gave Doug Armstrong a B. Uh, trading, uh, just one more category here. Uh, Blues fans here gave uh, Doug Armstrong a B plus. So, you know, I think some of the marks, are fairly fairly high considering where the Blues are positioned now in in this retool. Uh, but of course, anytime you have the uh, byline Dom on the top of this story, <laughs> definitely going to catch some uh, some static. <laughs> You're absolutely right. Follow Jr. on Twitter at JP Rutherford. He's got a piece coming out tomorrow on Colton Pareko. Uh, looking forward to that. Appreciate you, buddy. Thanks for stopping by here in the fast lane. We'll talk to you again next week. 
Yeah, appreciate it. Yeah, Colton Preco talks about the fan perception of him, too. So oh, wow. uh, some interesting comments uh, okay. coming up in the uh, athletic tomorrow. Thanks, Interesting. Guys. Thanks, Jared. I appreciate you. Wow, that, yeah. that, that could be interesting. Yeah, for sure. anxious to hear what he thinks. Yeah, because he can be he's – he's a great guy. Oh, he's such he's a great awesome. Guy. He's a light for whatever reason. He's a lightning rod with the fans because he is such a great guy. The people here associate six foot six with Chris Pronger. Yeah, true. If you're not Chris Pronger, you don't deserve to be here. Yeah, very true. What are you laughing about, Marsh? You all right? I don't know. He's... Look at this guy. What do you got, Marsh? <laughs> text message from Fink's dad. Yeah. Yeah. Look. I don't know. Here. I thought it was funny. <laughs> oh, and now my computer's broke. Get HR in here. My goodness. I'll fix it. March I got is it. Losing it. I'll tell you who didn't lose today, though. Your St. Louis Cardinals. Quality start by Miles Michaelis. You know, he, we'll talk about it next on 101 ESPN. <laughs> We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Chip Carey, Bally Sports Midwest on the call. Cardinals, 5-4 winners today over the Padres. It started off rough. It looked rough for most of it. But Mason Wynn doubles in the bottom of the ninth inning when the Cardinals are trailing 4-3 with two outs. They're down their last out. Mason Wynn, as Jamie put it, turned a single into a double with his speed. And then Tommy Edmond, the next day, the next AB, he goes deep. Second walk-off for Edmund, second walk-off for the Cardinals. And, Jamie, you had noted this before, and I agree with you. It's been a terrible season. Yep. Nothing changing that. You want to see a little life, though. We got the game on in the studio. Maybe you're watching at home. Maybe you're you know, kind of listening to us and also checking out the game a little bit. If you're going to watch the games, give, you, give us something here. And Mason win with an exciting moment the ninth. Tommy Edmond, two exciting moments the last two nights. Wilson Contreras put on a show last night in front of his parents and the home crowd. A couple of ding-dong Johnsons. Finally, a little excitement. And granted, it's August 30th, but, you know, hey, still, it's good to see, Jamie. It's good to see. I don't believe you right now. I'm ex- I, What? I'm excited. I'm Tim Tebow over here. All right? All right. I'm excited. So a little tidbit on this one is um, Mason Wynn with that base hit in the bottom of the ninth. Uh He didn't do it with his bat. Whose bat did he use? Wilson Contreras's? Nope. Adam Wainwright's? Nope. Paul Goldschmidt's? No. Jordan Walker had four hits today. I would get there. He had four hits today. So Mason Wynn said, uh, with two outs in the ninth inning, he said, I've been struggling a little bit. I saw him get four knocks. I just walked up to him and said, hey, man, mine's not working. Let me see yours. <laughs> yep. That's what he said, just like that. Said, mine's not working. Let me see yours. And sure enough, it worked. Guess who's going to be using Jordan Walker's bats from, for, a little, for a little while? We'll see about that. But it's just amazing to see. That's part of the excitement. Young guy like Mason Wynn, the unpredictability of these guys. So Jordan Walker gets four hits today, and Mason Wynn gets a base hit, and he turns it into a double. 
He wasn't even thinking about pumping the brakes at all. And he's got such good speed. He got in there. And at that point, being in scoring position, you know, the home run was great. Tommy Edmond hitting a walk-off. I mean, that's you know, that's the end of all ends, right? Mm-hmm. It, but he was in scoring position. So even a single at that point could have scored Mason Wynn to tie the game. What I loved about that is he he get up there in a very pressure cooker situation for a young player. He hasn't been knocking the ball all over the field here at the major league level. He gets a timely hit, turns it into a double, puts himself in scoring position so that he gives his team a chance to win. So I, I that was exciting for me. And to go back to your point, it is time. You have to find something to put a bow on this season because it's not going to be wins and losses. It's not going to be that. It's going to be moments. What do you remember from that season? Well, they sucked. Okay, but what moments do you remember? Well, I remember, you know, Contreras, two, two home runs, or, you know, Wayno's performance here, or Mason win his first game. Like, this is where we're at now. Yeah. It's where we're at. It's just reality. Is we're, we're cherry-picking moments to celebrate the season, celebrate loose use of the word, mm-hmm. to remember the season. And I don't mind it. I don't mind it. I'm so tired of kicking this can down the road of like, this sucks, this stinks, they're no good at this, I'm tired of this guy. We have to talk about it. We have to break it down. I totally understand the assignment when it comes to that. But it's also never a bad thing for everybody's mental health, if you're a Cardinals fan, to cherry pick some fun moments from what's going on here and and try to build off that. Yeah, for sure. Miles Michaelis, by the way, started off the game. How would you describe Jamie a little rough? Uh, Terrible. Yeah. Yeah, I think he was at 50 pitches in the second inning. He was. That's not an exaggeration. I know, I know. He was literally, he wasn't even through the second inning, and he was was at 50 pitches. He gave up one run in the first, two in the second, and then he settled in. We were were kind of joking about it in the the office before the show. We were kind of being facetious. Like, you know, when at one point I think you said, well, if he gives up a home run here, you may go get him. And then you pause, and you're like, actually, and then you and I said at the same time, no, you make him wear it. Wear this thing. He he's been struggling. There's no reason for him not to throw 100 or so pitches. That's exactly he he, he threw 98. Wound up getting 6 innings out of that. It's incredible. Allowed 7 hits, 3 runs all earned, walked 2, struck out 2. Mm-hmm. But he battled. Give him credit. He totally battled. Cuz he had nothing. I mean, the Padres were sitting on on every on every breaking ball. And just hammering it. They were fouling pitches off. They just, anytime Miles Michaels threw a breaking ball, they were swinging. And a couple of times he got into some trouble, got him to pop out. That's kind of Miles Michaels' game. Soft contact. And our guy BK, do you still have the, the tweet up? Oh, yeah. We haven't read that yet? No. So this is pretty interesting. Yeah. It actually is kind of, it's so puzzling. But BK writes out here. Um, as I find it, says, uh, strange but true. Miles Michaelis now has as many quality starts this season as Charlie Morton, Jose Barrios, Sandy Alcantara, Shane McClanahan, and Shohei Otani. Wow. He has more such starts than Verlander, Evaldi, Cobb, Musgrove, or Rodriguez. <laughs> what? <laughs> It's it's a microcosm of a season. Right? It is today's game by Miles Michaelis was a microcosm of the Cardinals' season and his and the, his and, too. specifically all of it. Bad in the first, 
even worse in the second, settled in in the third, you know, like great in the fourth. That, that, that's been Miles Michaelis this year. Terrible in April, outstanding in May. Not good in June, great in July. Like he just has been inconsistent all season long. And, you know, unfortunately for a Cardinals team that, that has been well out of it, you don't, you don't, you don't want to see that when they're contending, but at the very least, it's just kind of been a weird year. You can just account of, you know, just kind of, this is, this is how it's been. Okay. All right. Move forward. Everybody, everybody move forward next year. And they got, they got the front office has a lot of work to do in the off season, but uh, regardless, a couple of wins for the home crowd. Nice to say. We got our sports six pack coming up. 314-399-9646 is the air comfort service tax line. So get a question for Jamie or I send it in. We'll do it next in the Fast Lane. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. I have a question. It's time for the Fast Lane to answer your sports questions. I want to ask you a bunch of questions. I want to have them answered immediately. Asking me all these weird questions. Answer the question. Answer the question. Answer me! The Sports Six Pack is refreshed by Maggie O'Brien's. Your go-to Irish pub in St. Louis for over 42 years. Congratulations to Alex from the Illside. Oh, Ferrario. No, not Alex Ferrario. Uh, no, uh, happy belated birthday to Alex, by the way. I know, I saw His that. His birthday was yesterday. I felt terrible, just terrible that I didn't say anything yesterday about it. Yeah, but here, in fairness to us, Anthony, um, there are a lot of people that work here. And it's difficult to keep track of whose birthday's when. Mm-hmm. This is where um, Facebook is a wonderful tool mm. because you just pop on there and it's like, "Hey, I'm like, oh, yeah." Couple things I usually do is I usually give the old Facebook happy birthday, happy birthday, and then you. text message it. Yeah, that's mm. that's always nice. Thanks for the heads up. What's Facebook? What's fun about the trio here in the fast lane is that every single mm. one of us. March birthdays. It makes it easier. It makes it easier. Yeah. Uh, when's your birthday again? 30th. 30th. Marshy? The 19th. Ooh, I'm the 16th. So Marshy and I are right 19. into We're right in the middle the, yeah. of St. Patty's Day. Yeah. yeah. So it's like an extended birthday. So mm-hmm. I always used to say that I was pitching both ends of a doubleheader. Mm. We'd do 16th, and then that would just roll into the 17th. You get your two for one right nice. there. Happy birthday. All that stuff. They don't make Smart. them like they used to. No. Mm-mm. Anyways, uh, happy birthday, Alex. Oh, yeah, Alex won the, tri- <laughs> yeah, the trivia question. <laughs> he won the trivia question to win the Cardinals games. Uh, the trivia question today was Mike Matheny, Mike Matheny's daughter. Yes. Is a hockey player. Very. She was a great She was. She was a hockey player. Yes. Where did she play? What co- What college did she play? I don't know. Direct well, answer is the, the Ohio State University. That's correct. Yes. So she was a great player. Really great player. Uh, now she's got her family, young family going. Uh, really great family. I have to I have to say that Mike and his family are awesome. So we'll have more tickets to give away Thursday and Friday here in the Fast Lane. Uh, sports six back time. Question number one from the six three six. Did you guys snag an Under Armour sponsorship? Yeah, yeah. Well, we're hoping actually. Yep. How did this happen? I didn't notice that you two were wearing. Well, virtually the same exact shirt, different color, mm-hmm. until this texter texted in. So, Andrew, what happens is, um, I'm sure you're aware of this, there's a really big company called Under Armour. Yeah. And they make a great athletic wear. For sure. Uh, t-shirts being one of their items for mm-hmm. sale. 
They're very comfortable. You can either just go to work like this, or you can wear them to the gym, you can go wow. jogging, yeah. all sorts of great things. Mm. Uh, and some would say that great clothing is purchased by great people who think mm-hmm. alike. Ah. And so Anthony and I, without even talking to each other, yeah. Yeah. Um, said, you know what? I like this Under Armour. Yeah. And we're like, right there. Today's an Under Armour day. Yeah. It is. I'm not wearing Under Armour. Not wearing any uh, what? I'm wearing Adidas. Oh. Oh, boy. Well, okay. remember the Great Minds thing. Mm. Ah. Mm. Yeah. yeah. I actually that's saw awkward. on the camera the first segment. I go, oh, boy, we're a walking uh, billboard today for Under Armour. I hope so. But, I mean, listen, I don't have- um, Hey, great sponsorship uh, opportunity still available. It is. Here Under Armour, if you're listening, or uh, Dwayne The Rock Johnson. I know you mm. tune in. If you want the Project Rock being represented, I, I wear that too. Mm. More than happy. I don't even need to be paid. Just give me the clothing. Yeah, I'm in. That used to be my deal with Nike. When they came into hockey, when they jumped into hockey, they were grabbing up young guys and whatnot. And uh, they pay a little bit of money to use all their stuff, but they'd give you a catalog and say, anything you want mm-hmm. in the catalog, just let us know. It was like Christmas. It, that, I think that's where my Amazon habit began. <laughs> so I'd go through the catalog and I'd be like, boop, 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 boop. And I'll UPS, FedEx, UPS, FedEx. That's All awesome. the Rivers family were wearing like Nike golf shirts, shorts, shoes, golf clubs. <laughs> they made golf clubs at one point. I got my dad a set of Nike golf clubs. Nice. It was like, I can't believe this. I'm like, tell me when I'm not allowed anymore. No, they're, you're fine. Just keep going. Wow. So I had a whole wow. closet full of Nike stuff. So every time there was a birthday, somebody got something from Nike. That's awesome. Anthony, you're good at uh, hockey trivia. Who is most notably known for wearing a Nike helmet? Anthony, Roberto you're the only one Luongo. that can answer this. Roberto Luongo at one point wore a Nike helmet. Yeah. No, he didn't. He's uh, a goaltender. He's a goaltender. Uh, Marshy, can he I... He doesn't wear a helmet? Can I play this game with you? You can play the game. Yes, Did this mask. individual also wear white skates? David Perron. Is the answer? Nope. No, actually, I don't. I don't know. Because mm. I mean, like, I wore a Nike helmet too, but notably, notably, this guy, notably, like when I think of this player, I think of him wearing a Nike helmet. Yeah, Paul Korea. Nope. He's a big, tall guy, right-handed shot. Chris Pronger. Nope, he's shot left. Left-hander. Tall, he's tall, a though. bigger dude. So I gave. Here's what I gave you, Sergey Fedorov, who was the initial. Nike guy. He's the okay. guy that came flying out with the white skates on. That's a good... That, that's were, not who I'm thinking They of. were sick. And the other guy that wore a Nike helmet that was out of character and it was kind of a funky looking helmet but this guy could do anything he wanted because he was Mario Lemieux. Yep, that's who I'm thinking of. There you go. Yeah, he, Mario's like 6'5", bro. Yeah. He's a pretty big dude. He's a tall guy. Yeah. Really hard to get the puck off of Anthony. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I picture him with the black... Uh, Nike helmet and that weird-looking dark penguins jersey that they used to have. It was like gray and black yeah, yeah. and mm-hmm. I, that's, like a triangle on it. Yes. Yeah, it's terrible. Interesting, interesting jersey to say the least. You're welcome. Question for that. number two. <laughs> Fun facts. Uh, we're talking about hockey from the six one eight. Question for Jamie: What's the worst hockey hit you took in your career? What I mean is, it's not always the hard hits that get you. I hit a guy semi-hard, knee to knee once, and I thought I was going to die. LOL. Mm. Well, I, I got rocked a few times in my career, but nothing like notable where I was like hurt or laid out. Um, 
Because, quite honestly, I'd rather die than lay on the ice and give the guy the satisfaction. Even and if you, I was, and you did. Uh, correct, Anthony, correct. The worst hit I ever sustained was self-inflicted. I'll never forget it. It was in Madison Square Garden, Sergei Kovalev, or Alexei, Alexei Kovalev, what, Sergei? Well, you think Sergei's better off. No, it's not. Uh, <laughs> Kovalev was playing for the Rangers at the time. And he came around behind the net from like Al McInnes' side. He like flushed him behind the net. And I was waiting there like a dog with rabies. Because he's like, his head was tucked behind him. I'm like, I am going to murder this guy. And this was before they moved the net away from the end boards and mm -hmm. the goal line out. It was back. So there was like two feet of ice back there. You've got nowhere to hide. And I took a couple of hard strides and I like lunge forward but you don't think right that he's gonna duck which is a chicken blank move mm. to do chicken mm -hmm. salad yeah chicken yeah. salad correct but he ducked and like dropped down to his knees so one it like hyper extended my front knee by doing that and then i smashed my face off the glass because mm. it carried me forward and i cut my nose open and I was so mad. <laughs> what a diamondback. I couldn't do I couldn't do anything that shift because my knee was so damn sore I could barely skate and I was bleeding all over the place. After that, I chased him around MSG for two periods straight. <laughs> I I must have slashed him 73 times. <laughs> speared him 12, elbowed him seven. I was so mad. I don't know if I was mad because it hurt or I just like looked like such an ass hat. Did he I'm apologize? Sure. No, no, he didn't. Jamie thinks, I got this guy lined up, and I'm going to take his soul. Next thing you know, mm. he's got a bad knee and ah. a busted face. And I'm spitting out plexiglass. Ah, that's a tough day at the office. It was tough. Mm. That reminds me of uh, D3 Mighty Ducks. when No doubt. Yeah, when he went through the when glass. He goes through the glass. Ah. Yeah. By the way, when he flips through the glass, yeah. okay, one, you know, okay. Fine. We we take a little movie uh, magic in this. For sure. Plexiglass breaks that way. But he went feet first. You're telling me he doesn't stab somebody in the first row there? Yeah, it's a good question. I don't know the 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 physics on that. Somebody's dying. Yeah. Maybe. Somebody's got to skate through the, the through their face. Highly the frowned upon. Yeah. I agree with you, Anthony. Are you kidding me? You can't go feet first into the stands and everybody's like, oh, you're okay. Here, let me help you. No, you got to... You got the skate right here. Like, here's that, your skate. Those mm -hmm. skates are sharp. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah they got to glide on ice. Yeah. Yeah, they also fix, like it. They fix that thing pretty quickly, too. Good arena staff. Hard, to, yeah. hard to find, which, by the way, staff... Well, the we are talking about Seton Hall. No, it's Eaton <laughs> Hall! <laughs> what? He called it, they called it Seton called Hall it Seton last Hall. week. I meant Wait, to say Eaton what? Hall. You missed out on a complete... What? Seton Hall? D3. Yeah, D3. Well, I know it's what you're talking Eden about. Hall. For some reason, in the in the heat of the conversation, I called it Seton Hall, <laughs> thinking of the Pirates, the collegiate... The, colli the college. Oh, I know what you're thinking. <laughs> you call yourself a fan. Seton Hall. Well, we, you know, we fixed it. Yeah. I did know that Julie the Cat Gaffney was from Bangor, Maine, not Kennebunkport. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there's some things that you, you're you good at and some things you're not. Yeah. They, uh, someone asked a question, does Jamie remember hitting Mike Greer or Anson Carter into the end boards a game against Edmonton? I do remember that. Mike, Mike Greer is who it was, and 
he was a big, solid dude. He's a guy like you had to know when he's on the ice because he could end your night in a hurry with a hit. Now, he wasn't a fighter, but he could hit like a freight train. And I remember he was coming down the right wing on me and me being a left-handed defenseman. He was coming in hot too. So I was like, to get my timing, I kind of just put my stick like right in his hip flexor, just slow him down a little bit. And then he tried to still get by me and I threw a body check that drove his head and his shoulder into the end boards. And it broke his shoulder, actually. So he laid down there and got up and was like slow all the way to the bench. And I remember Grant Fuhr was on the bench that night and came back to the bench. He goes, I can't believe you just did that to that guy. I'm like, why? I'm not afraid of him. He goes, no, I didn't think you were afraid. He goes, nobody has hit him like that. But it was the subtle change of pace, and that's a trick that like Al McInnes used to use all the time. This guy coming down to 100 miles an hour, you just reach out with your stick blade, just put it in his hip flexor. It just slows him down. He can't skate. <laughs> so it's not a penalty. What do you call it? Penalty, putting your stick on a guy's hip flexor? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I did the same thing, just slowed him down, but he still felt like he had momentum, but he, he didn't. And so then I came like with this like body block, side body block, and drove him into the boards. I felt bad. Did two he, years later. Did you did did he come after you? Did no. he hack you 73 no. times no, and yeah. slash you 12? <laughs> no, he never came after me. Right. No. Um, so you didn't have rage issues? No. He was no, composed. No, but, uh, and I never said I was sorry, because I really wasn't. Yeah. Well, that's good, though. I mean, I'm glad he wasn't seriously injured. Now he's right. a general manager for the San Jose Sharks, so I think he's doing okay. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah you're on the fast yeah. lane. Yeah. And oddly enough, he was drafted by the Blues, so I had... I already met this guy and all this stuff. I was like, man, that's a really nice guy. Yeah. Your guy well, we went, uh, we got to two questions we did really in good. 12 and a half minutes. Well, we got some story time in there, Anthony. It's always yeah. fun to reminisce. No, it's all good. Uh, if you don't like my stories, just tell me. That's fine. I love your stories. It's just we promise. Text line. Tell Anthony what you think of that. Wait, okay. They already do. <laughs> Let's not. They already do. Uh <laughs> Let's continue. We, we promised the people six. Yeah, let's okay? go. You better give them six. Let's if you're going to promise them six, Anthony. Let's not give them two. Yeah. I mean, that's a that. major disappointment Big to give time. them. If you're expecting six, you get two? Yeah. I don't think so. And if we go seven up or here. eight, it's even better, but mm-hmm. we'll oh, definitely sure. get six. We're definitely Next. definitely going five at least. At least. Next. Right. In the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. It's time for the fast lane to answer your sports questions. I want to ask you a bunch of questions. I want to have them answered immediately. Asking me all these weird questions. Answer the question. Answer the question. Answer me. The sports six pack is refreshed by Maggie O'Brien's, your go-to Irish pub in St. Louis for over forty-two years. All right, we got through two questions in the Sports Six-Pack last segment, so uh, why don't we go ahead and finish finish up the, the rest of the Six-Pack here with question number three, please. Question number three. From the 314, how would you feel if we started seeing retractable roofs in the NHL? Um, hmm. Interesting. I don't know if... Hmm. I don't know how that would do that because the ice has to be at a certain temperature. I mean, anywhere north you could do it, but then it's going to be freezing cold inside that building. Um, Uh, Tough one. So the best it's a no for me. The best I can tell you for as far as like comparable is when I played in Switzerland, 
we had this little arena and it was uh had a roof over it everything but the end zones like right under the roof that the little area underneath was open air Mm. so like morning skate like practice was awesome you come out there and you could look in the distance through the the thing and see like the the swiss alps the beautiful snowy mountains and treat you like this is awesome come eight o'clock at night when puck drops going and the wind is whistling (laughs) through that sucker not so great (laughs) Not so great. So I, I don't know, like in the southern states and things like that, it would affect the ice as far as like making it really soft. And some of those buildings already have that problem where the ice gets real mushy on them. I, I think that that would be problematic. And up north, you'd be running into the opposite problem where it'd be freezing freaking cold. Mm-hmm. And you'd be like, I ain't going to the game. I'll watch it on TV. Yeah. Like for a winter classic or a stadium series or whatever the one-offs you know it's unique you're prepared for it you've got the jacket the scarf the hat whatever and you're like yes this is it yeah if you had to do 41 of those games as a season ticket holder i don't know how much you'd like it now so i'd have to pass on that yeah question number four if georgia three peats or do they rank in college football dynasties oh anthony I, they would be among the the best. I mean, Kirby Smart. I don't know if there's been a college football coach that has won back to back national championships as a head coach and as an assistant because he did so under Nick Saban at at Alabama too. So at the very least, you're talking about Kirby Smart being in the same picture as some of the best to ever do it, including Nick Saban. But if they if they threepeat, man, um, I'm trying to think some of the. I, I don't think you have to win consecutive championships, but within a five five year window or so, I think that could be considered a dynasty, right? And especially if you have a lot of the the same, certainly the same coaches, uh, maybe some of the same players, some carryover. So if you were to do it three straight times, that would be that would that would rank among one of the the best in college football. I don't know off the top of my head where some of the other dynasties would rank, but I would have I would have that dynasty over Florida, the recent Florida one, the one that they the team that they did the documentary. the documentary on. Yeah, yeah, that team the team could have had three, two thousand six. Yeah, they went two thousand eight, eight, two thousand nine, and Tim Tebow <laughs> laments the time that they didn't get it done at oh nine. That was that was a pretty good dynasty, but they only won two. Mm-hmm. So they would Georgia would supplant them in a heartbeat, but I'd have to go back through. But it would be impressive. Kirby Smart's done just a remarkable job, especially because, like Stenson Bennett. We're not talking about somebody that everybody's like, oh man, they've got the quarterback. Mm-hmm. No, they had an incredible defense, incredible running game. Brock Bowers to tight end might win a Heisman this year. That's how good he is. And then Bennett just he he played well, but kind of came out of nowhere for player for for uh, for fans. So, anyways, go ahead. Question number five. From the 314, what is one thing your father taught you that may not be an obvious teaching moment? For instance, mine taught me to always get meatloaf at a steakhouse if they have it on the menu. Really? Because it's got to be good, huh? That's interesting. My dad told me to punch the guy in the face first. At least he hit him once. Hmm. 
Not great legal advice, but I like mm. it anyways. I at mean, least, at least you threw the, at least you threw out punch. He said, never mind, you know, waiting for the first punch. He said, throw the first punch. At least you hit him once. Yeah. Because he goes, you never know, you might lose that one, but at least you got him once. <laughs> I like that. So, I don't know if that's really good, kids. If you're listening, I wouldn't use that right. as advice. Our legal team currently scrambling here at 101 ESPN. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to figure that out. Uh, we got Jamie punching people. No, we got I, didn't, I didn't do that. He said, I didn't say I did it. Doing other stuff. Too. Just said that. Uh, yeah. You know. I this I, I I don't know if this is this certainly isn't like necessarily unique advice, but I just remember my dad. I was ticked off at. I was ticked off at somebody. Um, when I was younger. And he, he he shared the never burn bridges, never burn bridges conversation mm. with me. Mm-hmm. Never burn a bridge. Never know when you have to go back over it again. Mm. And that one has always kind of stuck with me. I don't think I've ever used it the way he intended. I think I've always burned the bridge. Ah, um, my mom's the Italian one, so you know I get the get the Italian rage from mm. her. But I've always remembered that conversation. That's a good, the, the meatloaf one's interesting, though. That is interesting. I was always told from my dad, if you can't grow facial hair, don't. Hmm. That's, that's good advice. So don't have like the whisk, like the catfish whiskers. Yes, basically. don't have the the bad beard or the bad mustache. That's good advice. If you if you can't grow one. Question number six. Uh, from the 636, the Angels just released four pitchers. Are any of them worth the Cardinals looking at? Yes, Lucas Giolito. Jamie, Lucas Giolito. I'd take him or Clevenger. Mm-hmm. I would. To finish up the season, see what you got for maybe next year for the bottom half of your rotation. Yep. Now, Giolito profiles as a mid-rotation guy. I would for sure. Yeah. I mean, why not? Why not put a, why not put a waiver claim on that, on him? Totally agree. Get him in here. Get him to the free zoo. That's still free at this point because none of you guys want the Cardinals to go to the playoffs. I, this team, though, I mean, I'm considering it. Right? Two wins in a row. Two wins in a row. Two exciting wins in Two a row. Two exciting wins in a row. I'm sure I'll a, get a text message tonight. A gutsy start by Miles McCullis today. Oh, Miles Mike McCullis getting it done. Tommy Edmond, a couple of back-to-back walk-offs. Wilson Contreras just touching seats left and right. Marsh, you're in. You're in on this team. Mason yeah, Wynn turning 100%. singles into doubles. Yeah, I think I'm I think I'm committed to uh this team the rest of the year. Nolan Arenado mm-hmm. doing his thing at third base. A couple of fine plays today. Let's see how far back they are in the standings. Yeah, just check the just check the latest standings after today's win and then tell me you're not excited about the direction of this team this year. Yeah. Where are we at, Marsh? Not excited. How many games back in the NL Central? Hey, they're 12. Seven? 12 out of the wild card. 12 out of the wild card. 12 out of the wild card. Boy, that's tough. Hey, there's a lot of games left. That's... You got a full month of baseball. What's Clevenger's first name? Mike. Mike, Mike Clevenger. Hmm. Apparently there are some issues with Mike Clevenger. Well, that, that dates back to the COVID stuff. He and one of the other pitchers for Cleveland... Might have been Bauer, in fact. Decided to uh, stay out one night after a game and then took the plane ride home at one point and got the COVID thing. Actually, you know what? There may have been a... I think there was something else. There might have been a domestic violence thing, too. I'm trying to find... 
something here. You know, he may have been suspended for that early in the season, in fact, now that I think of it. There might might be a couple of things. Yeah, I I remember hearing about that when it came out. No, there is a um, hmm, a woman that claimed that uh, he strangled her. Yes. But uh, I don't know what the outcome. So that was in January, January 24th of 2023. Clevenger's place on a place under investigation by Major League Baseball for alleged domestic violence and child abuse because his 10 month old daughter and his mother. I remember reading about this. He claimed he claimed that none of it happened. You know, he said, she said, not excusing anything. So I don't know. I don't know if he got suspended for it, but. Yeah, there is to the texture's point. There is there is some off right, the stuff. I'll pass. I don't need them that bad. I don't care. I don't want that. If that if that yeah. is something, I don't want that in my clubhouse. There you so, go. I'll All right. Pass. Especially with this team who's finding their identity right now. Well said, Marsh. Mm-hmm. What's trending is next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. What's trending in the world of sports? The Fast Lane has you covered. What's trending now? Brought to you by Goodwill. Donate to Goodwill and get a half price Cardinals ticket voucher. Welcome back to the Fast Lane here on 101 ESPN. Anthony Stalter, Jamie Rivers, I'm Andrew Marsh, and it's time for What's Trending. Fellas, what's trending are your St. Louis Cardinals who yeah, have won are. two games in a row, and both of them have been walk-offs, and both of those walk-offs have come from Tommy Edmond. You wanted to trade him. Unbelievable. I still do for pitching. They won a game last night, guys. They won a game today. Mm. If they win on Friday, it's a streak. That'd be three in a row. That'd be great. It's called a winning streak. Mm-hmm. It has happened before. Uh, has it this year? No, I don't think so. I think once. For other teams, yes, but I don't know about the mm. Cardinals. Uh, yeah, exciting stuff. It, it is. It's, it's fun. They're showing a little emotion. Now, is it too late? <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, is it just the really the third or fourth time, fourth time they showed any sort of sort of emotion this year? Yes. But Jamie, it's still good. You know? Uh, yeah. Anytime you show a little emotion. Good for Tommy Edmond. Good. good for Mason Wynn. Miles, Miles Michaelis battled back today Did after a rocky first two innings. His pitch count was about 98 in the second. Wound up going six innings. Mm-hmm. Nice job. Real nice job. Guys, City SC is in action tonight as they take on FC Dallas. Start time tonight is at 7.30. Of course, you can catch that on MLS Season Pass on Apple TV. What are you expecting from City SC tonight as they look to bounce back after a loss against Orlando City? we got to get Klaus going here, Jamie. Klaus is back. Yeah, he Didn't got play in for like the latter part of the game. We need to get him going. <sighs> Offense need to feed through him. You got a, you got plenty of complimentary pieces and Giacchini. Mm-hmm. and uh, I always forget the, the kid's name that came up halfway through. Hmm? Got called up. He's been oh, fantastic. Yeah, um, I always forget his name. A dra- like an idiot. Is it a, uh, a dra- Az Jackson? No, is that no, who you're thinking of? no. It's uh, a Denneran. A Denneran. A Denneran. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> fantastic. You got you got some complimentary pieces. Leuven doing his thing in the middle, but we got to get Klaus going. 
The team's got to bounce back. Bottom line, you can't lose two in a row and think that you're going to stay ahead of LAFC for much longer. Can't do that. Got to get a win. Got to get back on the board tonight. We're going to get into the AFC North with our one thing to look for. But I wanted to bring up Joe Burrow. He practiced for the first time since injuring his calf. What do you see from the Bengals this year with Joe Burrow coming into the season after injuring his calf? I know, Jamie, you said they are pretenders for the Super Bowl. No, they're contenders, man. Joe Burrow's back at practice. (laughs) Um, You know, when I said pretender, he hadn't practiced yet. So, I mean, when we look at this team, Anthony. It's a good point. They went out and picked up one of the best offensive linemen available. They're a much improved offensive line. Joe Burrow back now, running around like a healthy guy that we know he's going to be. I mean, this team, I'm telling you. Jamie, less than an hour ago, ripping the Bengals. (laughs) Especially the offensive line. But I could see why you changed your viewpoint on on these the Cincinnati team. Mm. Jamie? Yeah, good call. Their offense is going to be excellent again. And I love Anarumo, the defensive coordinator. He's just lost a lot of talent. And I think that Bengals defense kind of goes from maybe a top 10 unit to maybe, you know, like 18-19. So I think they got some issues there. I talked earlier about losing Samaje Pirine, who got a lot of the tough yards when Joe Mixon came off the field, but they're loaded for bear when it comes to the passing game. I mean, you still got to you still got to deal with Jamar Chase and um, T. Higgins and you know Boyd. They're they're loaded from a passing game standpoint. They're not going to be out. I'll tell you what, they're never going to be out of any game. So, and they started off slow last year and then mm-hmm. and then rebounded. Really good team, but. I wonder if that's that's one of those squads that takes a step back based on the, the, the losses that they had in free agency. Did you guys hear about the accidental shooting at the White Sox games yes. this past weekend? Yeah. yeah, that was really messed up. Yeah. So Peggy Kuzinski, who works for uh, ESPN, she is a, a host, Chicago Bears post game, Peggy and Dion. Anyways, she reported on ESPN 1000, that the shooting at Guaranteed Rate Field during a White Sox game was indeed an accidental discharge by one of the women grazed by the bullet. She reportedly snuck the gun in past metal detectors, hiding it in the folds of her belly fat. That was the report. Listen, how she got it in there, you can't fault security. I mean, I have a visual right now, and what's security going to do? Right? Like, how, how are you going to pick that up? And you don't invade somebody's privacy. The bigger question is, what the hell did she have a gun at a baseball game for? Have you seen some of the... No, but seriously, though. Why did she have a gun at a baseball game? Not, why? Not a baseball game. A White Sox home game. I know, Anthony, but it's stupid. It's stupid. And then she's hiding it in the folds of her belly fat. Like, what are we doing here? It's a good. It's a great question. What kind of gun are we talking? Because I want to, I want to improve my visual to see just how much the. the why are the fold. you trying to? Why are you trying know. to improve your? Vi- I don't. I don't. Well, now I understand in, what you're doing. No, I. I want to know. Like, was it a Magnum 357? If so, like this is a large person. You know, like you can't just find a fold on anyone for a Magnum. Wouldn't be a. It, wouldn't if it be a, a large person regardless? <laughs> if it's a like a Glock or one of those to have that much belly fat to tuck a, gu- a gun. Into the belly fat and then fold it over. We're talking about a large human being. 
And it's staying there. It's staying there. Thank you. Yeah, I don't know. Either way, it's stupid. And why did you... Jamie's original point, though. Okay. Why why would you ever bring a gun? What are you worried about at that point? It's not diabetes. You're not worried about that. So you're bringing in what? You're bringing in a gun? Yeah. I don't get it. Packers <laughs> talk to Jonathan Taylor trade Marsh. with Colts sources say. So the Packers, according to ESPN sources, were in talks with the Colts and had legitimate interest in trading for the star running back. Uh, what if he would have went to Green Bay? What would that do for Aaron Jones, AJ Dillon, Jordan Love? That's a weird fit. You already had two backs. Yeah. Like you said, you got Aaron Jones, you got AJ Dillon. Two guys that are, are perfect complements to each other. I think, you know, when you're talking about the Packers, that would have that would have been an awful fit. So uh surprise, but maybe they were just floating out a seventh round pick and you know, went for that. So all right, we'll move on here. One thing to look for, AFC North next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. All right, one one thing to look for, AFC North. We've been doing this for every division thus far leading up to next Thursday night's kickoff between the Chiefs and the Lions, so AFC North. Why don't we start off the Raiders? The Raiders projected to finish last. I'm sorry, the Raiders. That'd be the AFC West, guys. I was, what? what? Let's start off the Browns. Let's start off the Browns. They're projected to finish last in this division. Uh, Marsh, one thing to look for, AFC North. Which version of Deshaun Watson do we get? Do we get the Houston Texans version of Deshaun Watson, or, or do we get uh, what we saw last year at the end of the year when he was finally reinstated? That's what, one thing I'm looking for. What version of the Houston Texans are we talking about? Like playoff version when they went to the playoffs. On the field. On, Yes. Got it. Yes. I should have clarified. Oh, yeah. Well played. That makes sense. Yeah. That makes more sense. Jamie? Yeah. As far as the AFC North, what are we thinking uh, here? Browns. Yeah, uh, the Browns. One thing to watch for. Yeah. Yeah, one thing to watch for. Well, there's several. Mm-hmm. But um, what? This thing keeps attacking. Yeah, look at this. I, every time I sit down. It's... Yeah. <laughs> hmm. Talented. Um, so the Cleveland Browns, when I look at this team, I don't know why they're projected to be last. I, I don't. Tough division. It is. They're a good team. Baltimore and Cincinnati, in my opinion, will be battling this one out. Mm -hmm. I don't think it's a given that the Steelers are going to be right there in third. Like Kenny Pickett, did he really sell you that much on what he was able to do last year? A lot of people love the Steelers this year. I know, but I think they love Mike Tomlin. Who doesn't? I, I couldn't agree more. The guy has done a fantastic job with the Steelers. But I, I just don't know. Like, why would Cleveland then have gone out and spent all that money on Deshaun Watson if they're just going to underperform for a number of years? Mm-hmm. Like, what am I missing here? I'm asking I, you. I think Cleveland's roster is really good. I think their defense is is better than a lot of people think. They could rush the pasture. They got a pretty good front seven. When you look at the offensive line, the offensive line is solid. They can run the ball with Nick Chubb. Marsh is right. It's Deshaun Watson. Are we going to see Deshaun... Remember when Deshaun Watson at one point was, was a top 10, if not a top 5 quarterback? And then he he had the off-field issues and in play. Right, he was playing and very last relaxed. year, he certainly was. Yeah. 
It's part of the problem, I think, Jamie. So last year he doesn't play for a while, and then he comes back and he, he looks terrible. So full off season, he's going to get a full cold season. Up there at Cleveland. It it can be, yeah, oh, yeah. certainly colder than Houston. Um, I don't know if that was his issue, hmm. but can he can he perform like the guy that <laughs> we saw in the playoffs a couple of years ago for Houston? Especially against Buffalo. Hmm. All right. Why do we do the Steelers next? Jamie, you seem to like them. Go ahead. Yeah, I, I'm not sure if the Steelers are very good <laughs> this year, Anthony. Uh, look, they, they, Kenny Pickett, I think he, I think he outperformed what most people thought he would be last year. Because he certainly wasn't, you know, like people weren't raving about what to expect from Kenny Pickett. Yeah. And then. He ended up closing out the season as the clear number one in Pittsburgh, which he did not start that way. Him and old uh, Mitchie football there. I believe they're the same tandem again this year mm-hmm. in Pittsburgh. Should be interesting. Um, but they are 3-0 and in the preseason, if that means absolutely nothing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, listen, to me, this is, to, to me, the AFC North is a two-horse race. That's it. Yeah. It's bottom line. I, to build off the Kenny Pickett thing, can you be more explosive? Kenny Pickett was fine last year in certain spots. I mean, he, there was a couple of good drives, and but Kenny Pickett is one of those QBs like Mitch Trubisky in that if you practice it and it goes exactly how it's practiced, I feel like he's going to be fine. When the defenses get a little tougher, they start to mix things up. I don't. I don't know if Kenny Pickett can make can make big time plays. I think he could stay on 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 task and yeah. you know keep the offense in rhythm and all that. But can he make enough big plays? I mean, this is one of the worst teams last year in explosive play rate. Can, I think they'll improve, but will they improve to the point where they're going to be a playoff team this year? So that's my question. To get even more specific than just, you know, can, can Kenny Pickett make improvements? Can this offense find any sort of big play? Yeah. Deontay Johnson's a, a really explosive player, but... You know, Pickens, I really like on the other on the other side. George, George Pickens' second year. Can he be explosive, though? Marsh, where are you at in the Steelers? Uh, you were talking about the offense. I want to look at the defense. What does this team look like with a healthy T.J. Watt? He missed time last year, only played in 10 games. So if he's healthy, maybe they end up winning a few more games and end up making the playoffs last year because they were also in that playoff mix, surprisingly. So maybe they're one of the teams that uh, are fighting for an AFC North championship alongside the Ravens and Bengals. I think that defense is legit. Minka Fitzpatrick is just a ball hawk. I mean, he's, he is always he is always in a spot to create or to to generate a turnover. The line, like you said, uh, T.J. Watt, the stud, Cam Hayward, as solid as ever. Alex Highsmith, excellent. They added Demonte Casey, who's kind of an underrated ball hawk himself. They drafted Joey Porter Jr. out of Penn State. I think that see, I think that. Steelers defense is going to be very good. How about the Bengals? Jamie, you seem to be back on board. Yeah, I mean, just because I didn't consider them to be a contender doesn't mean I don't think they're going to be a good team. Um, to, for me, they're obviously they're going to be a good team. They're probably going to win this division. With the way Joe Burrow plays at the quarterback position, if he's completely healthy, which I would believe he is, it was a calf in- injury. It wasn't a knee or an ankle or yeah. something like that. Um, 
yeah, I mean, the Bengals, it's just such a good team that I, I just don't know. Like, Baltimore's going to have to throw everything they have at the, the season because of how good Cincinnati is. Now, the only advantage I see Baltimore having is they'll have a little bit of an easier schedule based on last year's results. Mm-hmm. And yeah, they'll play not, second place. Yeah, I mean, splitting yeah. hairs a little bit, but with a better team with a little bit lesser schedule could be a little bit more beneficial to them. But I, I like the Bengals. I, I actually have the Bengals to win this division. Marsh. I want to know what they do with Joe Burrow's contract situation. Are they going to get a contract done by the start of the season, which is coming up here in about a week? Will they do that? I'm sure he won't. He won't sit out. I don't. I, I can't see him doing that. But I wonder how that will will impact the the season. And what if he does get injured again? What happens then? So that's one thing I'm going to look for. To me, it's all about the defense. Eli Apple, Jesse Bates, Von Bell, the last two being the, the significant losses. All of them are gone. They're relying on a couple of second-year players in that secondary. I think the front seven is solid with Trey Hendrickson and um, you know Logan Wilson. They've, they've got some guys up front that can play. But I, I think they're going to have some issues on the back end. And I think they're going to be in a lot of shootouts, which is fine because you got Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase and T. Higgins. But defensively, I, I don't think that this group is as good as it has been over the last couple of years. Jesse Bates was kind of like the, the the pulse of that defense, and now he's gone. So I think the Bengals defensively could take a step back this year. All right, we'll round it out with the Ravens. And to me, it's, it's Todd Munkin. What can Lamar Jackson do under Todd Munkin? Because Greg Roman didn't set up Lamar Jackson for success. We've talked about this ad nausea. Can... Can Todd Munkin get the most out of Lamar Jackson? And if he can, you're looking at a legit Super Bowl contender because the defense is good enough. The offensive line is good enough. The running game should be fine. They added enough weapons this offseason with Zay Flowers, their first-round pick, and Odell Beckham's a fine possession receiver. They still got Mark Andrews. I like I like this team a lot, and I think Baltimore wins the division this year. Isaiah Likely. Tight end from a year ago. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Rookie cut tight end. Solid. Yeah, he is. Had a big game against Tampa on a Thursday night. Yeah, he did. He did. He was excellent. He did. That Some tight. would say um, life-saving catch. No doubt. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great job. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I got Baltimore right there with the Bengals neck and neck through it. Again, it's going to come down to the offensive coordinator, Lamar Jackson, all that stuff. Marsh? I just want to see what these uh, wide receivers look like this year. Zay Flowers, uh, hearing a lot of good things about him. And Odell Beckham Jr. coming back from the injury. He had that whole dramatic, where am I going? I'm going to go on a tour to see which place I'm going to play at. And then just didn't play anywhere last season. So I'm interested to see how he does this season with, with the Ravens. All right, there you have it. What are we doing tomorrow, Marsh? Can you give us a preview? Well, we have one conference left. One division? One division, uh, and then two conferences. So we have the NFC South. Yes, finally! Oh, you God. saved the best for last, Marsh. Well, technically, the AFC South will be last. Oh. That's what you did there. Yeah. Okay. I'm sorry. All right, Andrew Marsh, Jamie Rivers, Anthony Stoltz, it's Fastlane on 101 ESPN. What you missed? Criticisms, compliments. Next. 
We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. If you missed anything from today's show, make sure you download the podcast at 101ESPN.com or your 101 ESPN mobile apps. All brought to you by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Talk to our guy Jeremy Rutherford today. He's got a Colton Pareko article coming out tomorrow. He sat down with the Blues defenseman to talk about a variety of things, including some of the things that he wants to work on following last year's uh, down season, not only for the Blues, but himself. And uh, JR mentioned at the end of our interview that Colton Pareko also share some thoughts on kind of the uh, the fan reaction to him so I'm, I'm looking forward to that but jr joined us again uh, earlier today talked about wilson Charis big night last night guy you want to build or not build around but build with yep. you know win with talked about tommy edmund walking it off for a second straight day against the padres did jimmy g throw the 49ers some shade also did nfl contender or pretender super bowl edition Jamie with one of the all-time flip-flops. What are you talking about? Uh, I'm one team, so always check out the pod. One thing to look for, we just did that with the AFC North. A pretty good gauntlet con- uh, uh, contest. Oh, yeah. That was, that, that was going to be, that was tough. What are the expectations for Mizzou and Eli Drinkwitz? Do the Cardinals need to be more like the Braves or the Giants? And we clarified that because a lot of people are like, hey, well, of course, you want to be the Braves. But in terms of like roster building and then execution of the building, you know, had that conversation too. All available at the podcast. Marsh, what do you yes. got for criticisms and compliments? From the 908, Jamie has been hanging out with T Bone too long. He's so negative. And that was in reference to Jamie just basically crapping on Mizzou. Yeah, I was a little surprised how hard you were on Mizzou. Were you? No. Not really. I was being nah. realistic. We had one texter text in and say they're going to get you know, nine wins. What? My goodness, guys! Like, where, what are we doing? Here? Okay, can can we can we just do this? Let's break it down. I, I just want to. Like, I'm not even being. I'm actually not being negative. I was trying to offer what I thought was an educated take on how difficult this season will be for Mizzou. So let's let's humor ourselves here and and look at Mizzou's schedule. Mm-hmm. So South Dakota tomorrow night. So South, I'm assuming to get to nine wins, South Dakota, Middle Tennessee, Memphis are all layups. They also have to give wins, I would imagine, to Kansas State. or I'm sorry, a Mizzou win over Kansas State. Vanderbilt is another layup. Mm-hmm. Kentucky, South Carolina. I'm assuming Arkansas. And then they've got them beating either Tennessee or Tennessee, Florida, or LSU to get to the nine. I don't think it. I don't think it's incredibly unrealistic. I just don't think it's going to happen. I think they got. I think they got their hands full of Kansas State. Personally, I don't know why they everybody. Did a year ago. I, I don't know why everybody is just sort of like skipping along. That they're ranked 16th right now before the season starts. Where's Mizzou? They're unranked. Yeah, they're unranked. And you knew that, too. Why? No, but that's my point, Andrew. So why is everybody just walking over Kansas State and just and assuming that's a victory? Mm-hmm. You can't. They're ranked 16th for a reason, and Mizzou's unranked for a reason. Yeah. You know, in fairness, I think they can beat Florida this year. I don't think Florida 
is anything special. They're bringing Graham Mertz from Wisconsin as a transfer to be their quarterback. So I think Flor- I think Florida is beatable. I think South Carolina is a, a, a tad overrated, but they're they're better than Mizzou going into the year. They've uh, Mizzou's won the last four meetings against against them South too. Carolina. Yep, they're eight and five against them in uh, their their history. I actually think the the one tough one that maybe people are kind of looking at and like ah oh, it's fine at Kentucky's not going to be a cakewalk. I think Kentucky's going to be pretty decent this year. I think Arkansas is actually going to be a little bit better than people think too. I, this this is not an easy schedule. I don't see. I don't see nine. If they get to seven, I will be impressed. All right. If they get to seven, you'll be impressed. If they get to eight wins, you'll issue an apology to Mizzou fans. Yes. All right. One hundred percent. There you go. Mizzou has lost to Kentucky the last two seasons, so they give them fits. They lose. They lose to Kentucky. I feel like in horrific ways. Just horrific ways. Like the one. Remember the one at Mizzou, Kentucky. I think it was a pass interference call setting them up again, like the late fourth quarter. I think I do remember that. Yeah, it was ugly. All They're right, so there you go. Five and nine. There you go, Mizzou fan. Jamie is going to be impressed if your team wins seven games this year. He's going to offer an official apology, a genuine apology to you if they win eight. Yes. I think that's fair. Thank and you. if they win nine, Jamie I- will... Take off his shirt and run around the 101 ESPN parking lot. Okay. Saying Mizzou, M I Z, and he'll run around with a big, Z-O-U. a big M painted on my chest. Mm-hmm. There we go. Okay. Okay. There, everybody's satisfied. Oh, and a the tiger show. tail too. You got to have the tiger tail and the ears. Oh, the ears. Have the and ears. the ears and yeah. the, tail. the tiger tail. We'll paint whiskers on. Yeah, they okay. win nine. Yeah. yeah, he's going whiskers, yeah. ears, tail, block M. Yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I think that's more than fair. I totally agree, Anthony. All right. I'm here for it. I'm All glad right. we settled this. Yeah. Uh, from the three one four in reference to the gauntlet. Haha, Grant is amazing for trolling the listeners with the snake question. That was pretty good. Yeah, we didn't even talk about that. Well done, Grant. And we and he still got some bites, as Jamie would oh, call it. Wow. He did. Oh, it's a great. I like the way you used it there. You got the some bite bites. With the snake. Yeah. 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 Very well. Done. Speaking of the snake, did I got, you do it on purpose? No, yeah, I fell into it. Would have been impressive if you did. Yeah. The the snake question. I got a text from one of my one of my buddies. He goes, uh, "When the guy said he was a former Eagle Scout, so he knew the snake question." I was like, "How the hell does he? How the hell does?" Scouting football players have to do with snakes. Mm. Then I realized Boy Scouts. <laughs> mm. Yeah. <laughs> All right. That's I was funny. like, you're joking. That's pretty good. Uh, we got a text from Mike, who was our recent gauntlet champion. He said he was laughing out loud that we ended up, that Grant ended up bringing that back. Hashtag not too soon. I, I like that a lot. Uh, by the way. Brooke from the opening drive, Brooke Grimsley, she texted me. You guys are sleeping in on the, you guys are sleeping on the uh, MTSU Blue Raiders, the Middle Tennessee oh. State Blue Raiders. Proud alum. Yeah. Brooke of, of Middle Tennessee. Oh. Last she went matchup. to Middle Tennessee? I she, thought she went to Tennessee. No, she went to Middle Tennessee. Mm, my bad. Yeah, she didn't go to Knoxville. She went to the middle of Tennessee. Not, yeah, right that, in the middle. That's yep. not the ten, Middle Tennessee 
team that defeated Mizzou in the NCAA tournament. Uh, is that it? is the Middle Tennessee State team that won October 22nd, 2016, 51-45 to 45 over Mizzou. Okay. So. Who was the team that won in the, the basketball? I can't remember. Against Mizzou this past, this past no, 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 year? No, no, Not this past year. A few years ago. It was the Middle 15... Tennessee beat uh, Michigan State, I think, one year. Okay, maybe that's who it was. Yeah. And Michigan State might have been like second. like two. That, okay, uh, so that was the same seed. year, though. Two two seeds ended up going down. So yeah. We... Gotcha. I think, I think so. I'm pretty sure they did. Anyways, yeah, our apologies to Brooke. Yeah, we're, uh, we are sleeping on those Seriously. Blue Raiders from right. the middle of Tennessee. Uh, the 618 let us know that his birthday is March 22nd. There you go. See? So a couple local legends. Who? What? He's in. Yeah. The 6-1 great. Except for he's not a Pisces, I don't believe. He is a... He's an Aries. An Aries. Like, oh, no, like he's angry. no wonder you guys <laughs> like each other so much. No wonder, he's a, wow. no wonder he's an angry elf. Yeah. Wow. There you go. From the 314, love Jamie's hockey stories. He was a badass back in the day. Yes, oh, he wow. was. Good. Back in the day, of course. Good, good old You days. are now. No, I... I mean, you could still check somebody into the boards if they were tonight. Sta- they're standing still. <laughs> you could do a lot of damage uh, to myself. <laughs> <laughs> Hence the first story of today. <laughs> Jamie, okay? Tore the rotator cuff. Rotator cuff. Yep. Separated my shoulder. Uh huh. Gave myself a hernia. Yep. And I think I pulled a hammy. <laughs> <laughs> what were we saying the one day? The uh, dorsimus. Dorsimus latimus. Finn. <laughs> Dorsal fin. <laughs> Who are we talking about Who that day? Who knows? Who really knows? <laughs> Who knows? Who really knows? All right, everybody have a great rest of your night. Thanks for listening today. You've got instant replay coming up from 6 to 7. For our guy, Andrew Marsh and Jamie Rivers, I'm Anthony Stalter. Again, appreciate you listening, texting in. We'll see you tomorrow. See you. You've been listening to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.